Yeah. So guys, um, I have uh, I have my bell, and I just realized I have an exciting new addition to our uh, ever-growing sound effects library. Ooh, our what do we got? I have a, a small I have a small uh, piano that I soldered together that makes very nice. annoying sounds. That's pretty great. That's <laughs> oh god, oh god, oh good god. What? Uh, so the production the scale. Yeah, the, pr- the production values are going through the roof on this one. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell if I soldered something you incorrectly dr- that makes it incredibly uh, grating, or if this is just uh, what the manufacturer of the kit intended. But there's definitely some of these notes that are way off key. Can you play any songs? Here's here's a key question. I hope you answer that question. Um, was it was it was the kit sold by someone who manufactures recorders? Uh, <laughs> no, it was sold by a company that manufactures practice soldering kits, like this little one that does nothing but blink. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> All right, so for, uh, for for our Civil War episode, we are going full morning zoo. Yeah, <laughs> the morning zoo crew. Does that mean we have to come up with sidekick names? Do we all each right. get a sidekick, or do we have one sidekick? That we share? <laughs> are we all no, our own sidekick, or are, wait, hang on, are we all our own sidekick, or do we have to be the sidekick of the person to our right? I, I think hey, we should I have think... one sidekick that we share. All right, boy. Okay. To our right is that this way or this way because what? it depends on like how like it's whatever you know, Stefan is referring not, to when he says not, digital it's right. Not, uh, physical just before us or just after us. So whoever talks just before us is the head person, and whoever talks just after us is our sidekick. So we become the sidekick of the person who just spoke. Interesting. This is rapidly so turning is into that, a is very experimental or is that, yes. that order set at one game. point. No, the order changes every time someone speaks, but it's always consistent because whoever is speaking is always passing it on to their sidekick. Okay, and has just. I feel. Become. I feel like what we're doing right now is creating an experimental indie role playing game about being a zoo crew. <laughs> <laughs> I I like it. All right, <laughs> fuck this Marvel bullshit. We've got our new yep. podcast. We'll have an actual play. We give up right before the end of the MC before we catch up with yep. the MCU. Yep. Yeah, we are so close, guys. But no, no, I like Switch this morning's zoo idea. To, uh, it's got it's legs. Actual plays a a a, a very viable uh, hot. Uh, I'm actually I actually now. maybe on an actual play podcast soon. Wow. Two uh, hot enough. seats and zoos. Which one? Yep. Zoos and hot um, seats. It's going to be Captain Vampire Garrett the Requiem. And his amazing morning zoo crew. Yeah, that. Uh, no, Vampire the Requiem. We 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 know we're actually we're talking to the company that makes it. It's a whole thing. Oh, well, I, we a lot of the details are up in the air. Patrick, I don't. That know, is extremely complicated. I don't know yes. if there is any uh, potential financial benefit for you being on that podcast, or if you're just having fun. But let me know if there is financial benefit and if you're going to get paid. Because if so, I might want to counter offer with just you if you would on the first episode of the podcast play your entire character with just two lines: one being blah blah blah, and the other being I want to suck your blood. Well, here's the counterpoint: I'm actually going to be the, uh, the game the master. Count. So does that mean doesn't does change mean- anything? 
Well, no, no, no. I want a clarification. Does this mean I have to introduce a single character who only speaks those two lines, or every NPC that every they meet, NPC, regardless of who the NPC, NPC is, says that? Whether they are a vampire, a werewolf, just every a cab driver, every or whatever. Every NPC says I that think... in the same voice. It's like, uh, what's that stop-motion animation movie that Charlie Kaufman did where uh, Tom Noonan did every voice? Anomalisa. Yeah. Yes. Anomalisa. Yeah, so basically, like, you know, you get into a, fo- a cab, the driver turns to you, Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, 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 just take me to Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> exactly. I'm just thinking that, that uh, role-playing as Count Von Count might be really productive in a role-playing setting. Like, you have all the dice rolling. And God, he's, one, a ma- he's a master two, of three, stats. four, I roll four. I, Nick, Nick to, to expl- quickly to explain the White Wolf thing, as long as this part doesn't end up on the air. Um, oh, it's all in. I, uh, so, I so spent short- the first several minutes of what you were saying, Patrick, trying to decide what what type of musical piece would be a better name for vampire like the sonata or vampire the prelude vampire the melody that kind sonata. of sonata. sonata definitely sonata <laughs> um anyway so white Urge. wolf white wolf made it they own it then white wolf got bounced around to a couple of different companies a bunch of people got fired from white wolf they went and made their own company called onyx path they licensed all the World of Darkness stuff from White Wolf, which was kind of just this dead company that was holding on to the people who made by a company called CCP. Um, Paradox, the computer game company, bought White Wolf. Uh, they had this big idea that they were going to reboot the old World of Darkness, and they were going to make it big and new, and it was going to turn into a big, like, powerful universe that would get Netflix shows. And because, and this is the part that I don't want to record on there, they are dumber than a sack of hammers. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, Chechnya. Yeah, they... Is yeah, exactly. skull with a Y? Che, you know, Chechnya, Nick is correct. They made a whole bunch of incredibly stupid, moronic mistakes, which don't make them... They're not Nazis, but they kept accidentally making themselves look like Nazis is the best way I can put it. I'm just going to go ahead and write down the time code of when I need to start taking out the Chechnya is Nazis. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, no. They, they imply that Chechnya was vampires, and it caused a huge blow up with gay people and with the Chechnyan government mm. it was a whole thing yeah and because there is basically... there is like currently like a genocide of gay people in Chechnya oh, and, correct. and there and the, like the the manual like implied that this was a cover for a vampire war that is currently oh that's um hmm. yeah not smart no yes, and this, yeah. it was a bad idea it was a bad yeah. bad idea and we have to. And I want to be very clear here. This was not like their first oopsie poodle. Mm. This was like oopsie poodle number twenty five. And it. paradox finally so it's like becoming more and yeah, more they got shut down. that they actually are Nazis or something. <laughs> I think they're too stupid. But um, essentially, <laughs> what, paradox. You, are you saying that that Nazis are, would be smarter than them? <laughs> yes, they're very dumb. I've met them. That's um. um... <laughs> Okay, so we're this rant has been going for three and a half minutes now. I'm just again just trying to mark where I need to cut. So Patrick, when yeah. you're done, just put a good capper on it. When, uh, when, uh, we should, I, I, will. We should, I will. We should introduce like a sound that you can listen for. That's like a five second like <laughs> before we say anything that needs I'll... to be cut, and then when we're done saying something that needs to be cut, repeat the sound. So if you're just going bleep. through, you have a five second window to find. Just bleep it. out Chechnya every time we mention Chechnya. Just go beep. Yeah, you know this before, Stefan. You once so beat me. Anyway, um, <laughs> so no. It's like that. It's like that time we would jump about the sewer Jew. Yeah, <laughs> I hate all of you. Yeah, no, Dick so, Bester, Why wouldn't you shut <laughs> up about that? <laughs> so to, to 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 wrap up the story, the rant story. 
Um, <sighs> Paradox got really pissed off at all this. Uh, essentially, cut off out White Wolf's all see all the people who ran White Wolf are like gone now. Um, they reabsorbed White Wolf into Paradox as it's no longer a separate company and have spun off the licenses to Mophidius and Onyx Path uh, in kind of a basic, please save us from our own ineptitude. They literally had print, did a print run that they are now canceling. Like, they printed a bunch of books to send that to anybody, and then that book is never getting sold again. Oh, ever. wow. They're not going to do any more print runs. Oh. They're not selling it on PDF. Like, it's just such a, like, next-level catastrophe that they just threw all that money into a black pit. Um, so... Part of the part of the thing with this podcast is that Onyx Path, who is the Onyx Path, is the original White Wolf people. Those are the people who all got fired and made their own company, and who've been like doing this for longer than everybody. Um, they they want some help rehabilitating their their own games' image because their own games had They're never right. had anything to do with this. But like they they've been, they've been stuck at the leash to these morons. Oh my god! <laughs> Just do everything Nazi killers, vampire Nazi killers, werewolf. Nazi kill every supernatural. Do you have a module where it's just every supernatural? Mo- like each individual. I can make it. It's not like whatever that'd be hard. The, whatever that monster is, Nazi but, killers. But do do the same. Do the, do the same thing. Um, like it. Every module needs to be exactly the same, but just copy and paste the monsters. <laughs> right, like, yeah, like, don't, don't, 19, like, I mean, like 1942, you, you Hitler's vampires sweep into... <laughs> tailor each module to that specific White Wolf's version of that monster, or like their Black Watch, or whatever it is, you know. Right. This reminds me of a... This reminds me of an anecdote I was hearing about one of the early versions of uh, D&D, I think maybe Advanced or Second Edition. Those they, are the same thing. Oh, all right. Well, I think. Uh, dumbass. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. Nerd. I think point, it goes D&D, AD&D, 3, 3.5. I don't remember exactly what it was. But it's clear that at some point they were going to call the wizard class mage and then decided to change it. So they did a find and replace, but that meant that every time the word damage happened, it said the wizard. It's <laughs> 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 probably for one book. Take six. Yeah. Than like Take one six, the wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing that from now on. From now on, the wizard takes seven lethal. The wizard, the wizard, <laughs> the wizard. The wizard. Uh, Stefan. It, it reminded me of uh, the advertising campaign from season two of Slings and Arrows that uh, Mark McKinney uh, what, accidentally oh God, what commissions. Was, what was the name of uh, the agency they have? It's something Frog. Oh yeah, Col- I don't remember. Fiore's, uh <laughs> Shift the uh, advertising agency. <laughs> I, I I actually have to look this I up now, and called. then we'll get started. I tr- oh. I trust you'll indulge a. Uh... I will never. I will oh never yeah, it's it's, 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 it's yeah, because yeah, you, you you just put up with me ranting for five minutes yeah. about a bunch of morons in Sweden. Well, uh, he uh, he, uh, he hires. Fior, Calm Fior plays a man named Sanjay who runs a an advertising agency called Froghammer. Froghammer, that's it. Uh, and the uh, the advertising campaign that he commissions, basically, uh, let's see, the first half of it is insulting every kind of person who has always gone to their theater, and the second half of it is just quotes from their worst reviews on billboards. <laughs> <laughs> That's All kind right. of what this has felt like, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's perfect. Yeah, Ra- raises awareness. Mm-hmm. 
All right. All right. Sh- shall Let's we? Let's get started shall we with do, that thing we do. Yeah. Shall we do what we came here to do? That's our new theme music. <laughs> there we go. Yep. So w- welcome uh, back once again to Cinema Excelsior, uh, the podcast. I think the theme music always has to be at least 15 seconds long because that's how long you can skip ahead right, on I, iTunes I'm going ho- to hold each of these three notes for five seconds each. There one, you go. Two. Because then when you're three, skipping ahead 15 four, seconds at a time, five, you always know you hit the one, theme music after two, the ads. Three. Four, five, one, two, three, four, five. This is that was like the so, worst Philip Glass concerto ever. So if you sat through that, congratulations. Or John if you Cage, just rode, what is wrong yeah, with you? if you just rode that skip button, good, good for you. Uh, this is Cinema Excelsior, the podcast where we uh, dissect and analyze uh, Marvel comics films. And random noises. Uh, random noises. Some, sometimes we talk about other things. Uh, yes. <laughs> things you could never know of, listeners. <laughs> uh, from... I think I think Stefan was referring to our digressions. Not so, our oh, I was editing. talking about our secret conversation. Well, speak, speaking of digressions, here comes one. Hey, you know what's great? The X-Files. <laughs> oh, no. I will reach the camera and murder you. But it connected so well at the end. Yeah, but you can't force it. I still need. I still, yeah. <laughs> c- confession. I still need to edit and post that episode. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, well, let's let's introduce uh, from digital left to digital right. We have uh, Daniel Watson Jones. Hello. Uh, Daniel will be playing the part of Henry Thomas Harrison. Uh, next what? to next what? to him, we have Mr. Derek Long. Hello, everyone. Uh, Derek will be playing the part of General John Buford. It was uh, almost three names, one of which was a rank. I was hoping it's going to get like a full three names. Okay. Uh, well, uh, we'll give Nick Bester, who is to your digital right, three names. Ahoy, oh, ahoy. He's playing Edward Porter Alexander. I wanted to be Zebulon Pike. And next, next to him is Patrick Regan. The only Southerner, so I expect a butt ton of names and a third. Hey, uh, I'm from Virginia. I'm a yeah. Southerner. <laughs> There are three of us on you. Yeah. We're the majority. <laughs> I don't know where the hell any of you are from. We uh, we we seceded back. We we took back. We did take backsies on the succession, uh, secession. Uh, yeah, but anyway, that's true. Pa- Patrick Patrick is playing the part of General Louis A. Lowe Armistead. But yes. In, in, in one of the interesting quirks of history, West Virginia is now more southern than Virginia. It's amazing how these things happen. <laughs> it's complicated. Um, and then I, I'm Stephen Claypool. I'll be playing the part of uh, Jay Johnston Pettigrew, uh, and all of these oh, are characters. Nice all of these are characters from the film Gettysburg, because today we watched a film about the Civil War. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, that's, that's... we we saw this coming. I was gonna say Hillary and I were talking about Gettysburg this morning, there you go. but I had forgotten why Hillary and I were talking about Gettysburg this morning. Okay, so uh, I did pull these names from a list, so uh, it's possible that not all of you got actors that you wanted, uh, but let's just run them down real quick. Uh, okay. uh, Louis A. Lowe Armistead was played by the actor Richard Jordan. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, no idea who that is. Richard Jordan uh, was Duncan Idaho in the original Dune. He was mm. oh. uh, the kind of right. uh, head government intelligence guy on Hunt for Red October. Distinguished career. Um, no longer with okay. us. 
Uh, I'm a politician, which means when I'm not kissing babies, I'm stealing their lollipops. That's that's him. (laughs) him. Oh, he was Jean Valjean. Yeah. (laughs) When was the last time you watched the Hover Red October? (laughs) Uh, 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 Years ago. Not ten minutes ago. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Uh, I had Henry Thomas Harrison. It was played by... An undistinguished actor, but whose name is Cooper Huckabee, which is a great name. Nice. Like the, the actor's name. name is better than uh, than the uh, characters. Yeah, if you uh, told me Cooper Huckabee was a captain in the Civil War, I just believe yep. you. Uh, John Buford, uh, Brigadier General John Buford, was played by Sam Elliott in. Uh, Ooh, in the there we go. Someone just that's won. A, um, that is I, that's a... I, I'm going to say that I. The name I gave myself may have won, but we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, okay, so two things. First of all, uh, I gave someone the name of, uh, oh, God, Edward Porter Alexander, I believe. You don't remember who you gave that name to? I think that was me, but also I... Pretty sure it was you, and I feel bad about it if I had because that's played by like a soap opera star named James Patrick Stewart. I should have given you Captain Ellis Spear, who was played by Donald Lowe. Right. You're you're upset that you Whoa. gave me somebody played by Patrick Stewart. I'm not upset that you have not me bad Patrick Pat. Stewart. The bad nope, Patrick only Stewart. You're telling me James Patrick Stewart isn't the same as not Patrick same Stewart. guy. Yep, he dropped the James. You don't know that. Um, it's like George. H.W. Bush and George W. Bush, <laughs> Same right? guy, or right? George yeah. Wallace and his, all or, of his uh, sons, George Wallace. Ron and Rhea Perlman. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the one I gave myself uh, without even – I was just picking the the uh, character name, but the actor I'm too happy with as well. It's uh, General J. Johnston Pettigrew, and he was played by George Lazenby. <laughs> Oh, nice. My favorite Bond. <laughs> this is – Stefan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. This will come back later. It's pronounced Lazenby. That's what I thought. Ooh. I didn't know that. This is coming he back later. It's going to come back. Is this see. going to be relevant You'll see. later? Okay. It, it will be relevant later. In my line of work, we call that a plant and payoff. Okay. You, you already planned my the, line. Uh, this is Lazenby. Uh, yeah, Chekhov's Lazenby here. It's going to go <laughs> off in Act 3 of the podcast. I think it's pronounced Laserby. <laughs> yeah. Laser Wolf. Chekhov's laser wolf. Good lord. I haven't thought about if that there's in a years. laser w- rifle. If there's yeah. a laser me on the mantle in Act One, you know that someone needs to fire the laser me in Act Five. Well, so let's let's get into this because there are lots of laser bees on the. You know mantle what? This you know thing. what? If I ever you get around to yeah, this is the movies, this is the second longest movie we're going to have to tackle. You know, uh, so we should probably get on it. Where we talk about the minor character Laser Wolf from Fiddler on the Roof? What's wrong with you? I've never. I'm I'm sure that if I even looked at how that name was spelled, it would make sense to me. But I I prefer my version of it. No, you're thinking of uh, Laser Wolf on a hot tin roof, right? Yeah, Laser Wolf is definitely a Metal Gear Solid villain. (laughs) (laughs) Bazooka Cuttlefish. Yep. But we're not talking about Metal Gear Solid, although we kind of are. Landmine Um, Armadillo. Behind D. Yeah. What's a gunship doing? Landmine here? armadillo. Uh, that that's also a Mega. <laughs> that's Man a X Mega villain. Man X villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking of Depth Charge Jones. <laughs> today, today we're Mega talking Man about. X- Make it make sense. Metal Gear Solid had the exact same boss naming conventions. I just realized this. Yeah, but one is Capcom and one is Konami. Laser is yeah. spelled L A Z A R. So Lazar. <laughs> Lazar. 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 But it is Wolf. 
Sorry, Derek, you're wrong. It's Lazarby. Laser Wolf. Okay. We're talking about Captain America Civil War. This is a long film, and we have a lot to summarize. So let's oh, let's get into it. Can, um, can, I, 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 I took notes that turned into a seven-page summary of the film, which <laughs> I, I read a page and a half of it, and I'm not sure that any of it is worth reading on the air. But, I think you're going to have to read uh, all just, seven I'm just letting you know please. that if you ever need any any description of plot, I have the entire thing here. Got it. Yes. I think I I think we have to read that right now. I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to support if Der- if Stefan has a thing prepared or I, anything. I, I, don't wanna... I, I don't have a thing prepared, but depending on your comfort level, if you want to dive in and just do it, then we can do oh, it. Oh, I mean, if you it if, wouldn't be the first time that I just said some trash on the air. So sure. what are on, you talking on about? the air. Uh, I, I, so, how, how about this? I, I I will start guiding us through it, and you interject liberally as we go. Okay. Well, I'll I'll just I'll set I'll set the set the opening scene. Open on Hoth, 1991. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no, that's pr- pretty accurate. Um, we we begin with a base basically on Hoth in 1991. He wrote it down, too. Derek uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anakin, transformation into Vader. Dude is holding his script up to the camera. Something in Mission 4, Dracula's super blood. <laughs> Sent, sent on mission for Dracula's super blood. Okay, so Bucky right. is uh, is thawed I... out of hibernation on uh, on Hoth. Uh, we see a great car. A, a, yeah, a uh, Hydra soldier repeating uh, a series of seemingly disconnected words in Russian out of a book with a star on the front of it uh, to trigger Bucky's Winter Soldier programming. Bucky is then sent on a mission where he uh, knocks the window out of a town car and steals, yeah, what basically just looks like some blood out of the trunk. I, I'm sorry, it's bright blue. Was the blood blue or was the, were the bags blue? I mean, it, it, I think it also had, like, you know how every time I guess it was someone scary. opens a, a mysterious it's... case in these kinds of movies, mm-hmm. a little puff of, of, like, dry ice escapes, and it's sort of like, why is there always a little puff of dry ice, even no matter what it is you're opening? I think that, like, that's just, like, the Stark family blue blue light case. Like, whatever you put in there glows mysteriously blue, regardless of what it is. Like, if Tony had put, like, a Tamagotchi in there, it would have been a mysterious glowing oh blue Tamagotchi. Although, although, to be fair, they're transporting, like, super serum blood. Yes, it, there it being is, some yeah, dry caps, ice in there actually caps. would make sense in that context. Yes, it, is. it is Caps. It's Caps blood, and at one point, it is established to be blue. In The Incredible Hulk, which we're actually going to get to reference in this movie, uh, it, they do uh-huh, establish yeah. that the, his iced blood yeah. is blue. So I didn't know that. So now oh, yeah. we are... I, I was just picturing that if anyone had a Tamagotchi in 1991, it would be Tony Stark. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I really That's feel like it. his blood should be red, white, and blue, not just blue. Dun, dun, yeah! Dun, dun, dun. Take that, yeah. Hydra. Take that, France. <laughs> so so speak. <laughs> I see what you did there. So, so yeah. speaking of Captain America, uh, we, we, now flash, we now flash mm-hmm. forward to, uh, to roughly the present day, uh, sometime after Age of Ultron. Uh, Cap, along with uh, Black Widow, Falcon, and Scarlet Witch, are in, uh, where was it? Was it Nigeria? It's Lagos. Lagos. In Lagos. Lagos. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. It's pronounced Lagos, as in George Lazenby. (laughs) Chekhov's Lazenby. Yeah. Uh, Okay. It's like Chekhov. No, that's not Chekhov's Lazenby. 
if if it were if it were Chekhov's Lazenby, you would have planted the seed in the first act of the podcast, and it would have gone off in the third act. That's like if Hitchcock in like a Hitchcock film, if or if. No, it's like the gun is on the mantelpiece, and someone's like, I'm putting this gun on the mantelpiece. And then in the next scene, the cat walks in and gets shot. <laughs> Given the, well, the cat. I mean, normally go, we've got so I was many cat jokes there to be I have more. so many yeah. cat jokes. You also, expected us also, to talk also, about that opening scene for an hour. Uh, also, I, to I, be fair, we could just say this is the third act. We could go on. We could get on with our lives. We don't need to talk about. I would. This movie. I would feel bad about that in the sense that uh, one of my notes that I wrote down several times as I was watching this film was that it has an incredibly precise act structure, right. um, almost uh, like True Lies pr- level of precision in its act structure. It, it is. It is. It's. I, I will actually. I want to give Marcus and McFeely a lot of credit here. This has excellent act structure, and despite being super long, it 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 moves quite briskly. It's, like it's it doesn't. A two and a, it's a two and a half hour long. movie with five thirty minute acts. Um, it's, yeah, like it's, it's 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 pristine in that regard. So anyway, they're in. Derek, pronounce it. Lagos. 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 They're in. Like it's made of Lagos. Lagos. Yes, it's. He's no, so it's, proud it's, of it's, himself. It's Lego. Lego. Um, Lego, my Lego. They're going after Crossbones, the 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 third, the third tier villain from Winter Soldier, played by the guy who would later be the protagonist of the Purge franchise. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Mm. Uh, I didn't see any of those. Yeah, no, it's it's him. He's the he's the main okay. protagonist of two thirds of the Purge, about half the Purge franchise. Um, anyway, he's They're like a, an evil guy now who's like trying to steal a biological agent. But he's not um, just an evil guy. Now he's got a costume. He's got like weaponry yeah. that's like to he's, be fair, he's he had, escalated. To be fair, he's he on, did have a helicarrier dropped on him. I feel like if anybody has a reason to turn bitter, it's that guy. Okay, I, dude, will, I, will I can't read your handwriting. You have to read that. Read it out yeah, loud. You're gonna have to cut cut to present day Lagos, where some anti-vaxxers Lagos. pass gas in a bank and steal the secret cooties because Captain America tried to murder a man he used to work with. Not terribly off. Um, so, uh, and then Wanda blows up half a building. Yes, Wa- Wa- the, the long story short of this is they have a fun action scene where they stop. Uh, Brock Rumlow is the, uh, <laughs> the guy's name from stealing a biological weapon. Uh, he then blows himself up to try to kill Cap uh, and is thrown into the air mid-explosion by the Scarlet Witch and ends up blowing up a building instead uh, with several people dying. It- it's, it blows up a corner of a building. Yeah, most of like, that building is blows up a floor. Yeah. Well, it, when it cuts, it it looked like it had blown up like two full floors. But then later, when they show what was happening, only like one corner of the building is smoking. So I didn't know if it was cutting around the corner. Mm. But it, the the way it was edited initially, it looked like two full floors of that blew out. I mean, yeah, yeah. People, I mean, point, she did some serious damage, but a, a building did not blow up. Parts of a building were blown up. And yeah, the, a lot of people for, died. For the first time in a Marvel movie, we will get we back to that. I want to talk about numbers. We are concerned about collateral damage in Can, this film. While we're talking about actually being concerned about collateral damage, I, it reminds me of the, the most egregious incident of this that maybe I've ever seen on screen. In Bad Boys 2, where they have this <laughs> really, really long bridge car chase where i mean cars are exploding they're flipping over each other it's like this two-lane highway way i i don't know i think it's over the ocean it's like a hawaii to la bridge or something (laughs) and and 
I'm on that all it, the time. They're they're getting dressed down by the chief, and I mean, my estimate just from watching it is at least 200 people died, and the chief is like, "You're lucky no one was killed." <laughs> it might even be no one was injured. I'm not sure. It was just like. Oh, all right. Well, I guess they just wrapped that up. Yeah, then that, we yes. don't need to worry about it anymore. Uh, because we. <laughs> well, sp- speaking of speaking of uh, not having to worry about it anymore, uh, we cut to uh, a really weird flashback where uh, Howard Stark, this time played by John Slattery, instead of his lookalike Dominic Cooper, um, <laughs> uncanny. Yeah. Uh, and his wife, is this the first time we've seen Mrs. Stark? It is. Yeah. We've I'm never seen Maria Stark up to this point. Um, we see the two of them interacting with a 90% of the way their CGI young version of Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, it's it's all, it's all the technology has clearly gotten a lot better since Last Stand. Yeah. I yeah, think and, and like, I, it looks like for Captain Marvel it'll be close to perfect so it, it is impressive yeah. how much good, I, good like i think i think it only gets like really uncanny like like the last half of the scene where like they're like showing off and they have him like in like half of the frame yeah like that's where you sort of start seeing it but like when he's like just interacting like further back in the frame uh with john slattery i'm like that seems entirely convincing i think what, it's the what, hair what, what, were, what were robert Downey jr's earliest films? Films. uh what was he in when he was actually this age less than zero chaplain Chaplin's uh, around this. He yeah. was Air America. Uh, yeah, than, uh, back than, to school. Than zero, back to school. Less than zero is earlier than that. Yep. Yeah. I think Chaplin's around like ninety one, ninety two. Okay, It'd be though. amazing if they had just used like part of a clip of one of his <laughs> earliest films. Built the rest of the scene around that. <laughs> if it was just him as Charlie Chaplin and, and they like tried to dress him up for a play for his parents, yeah. I'm mom and dad. I'm off to the costume party. I hope we don't die in a in a accident. <laughs> but in actuality, this this weird computer-generated pseudo-abomination is actually a computer-generated pseudo-abomination that Tony Stark <laughs> is projecting from his mind, I think, to a classroom of MIT students yes. or a lecture hall. It's hijacking the amygdala or the yep. hypocampus. As, as, as I have described it. Cut Retroactively to- motivating the 90% of the way they're CGI. Mm. Yeah, actually, that, does, that is a fair point. It does fair sort of enough. justify it. Because... Fair That's fair. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cut to Tony Stark getting uh, very expensive. <laughs> turns out to be very expensive dream therapy from a bunch of kids at Greendale Community College. Yes. So we. <laughs> yes, because yeah, the, the two things that we have to touch on here. One is uh, Tony funds all MIT graduate student research and announces it on the fly in this scene, mm-hmm. which is maybe the least realistic part of this film. <laughs> <laughs> no, Once no, again, no I, money for the humanities. I really, I really wanted him to be like, all of your projects have been funded. And then, except for you, Steve, that project idea was terrible. <laughs> but so we, we have that unrealistic part. And then we meet, uh, I'm assuming Jim Rash is still playing Dean Pelton. Absolutely. <laughs> Oscar winner certainly- Jim Rash. He certainly was playing the character identically. Yeah. Uh, and that's after Abed was in Winter Soldier. That's true. I mean, the, the Russo brothers oh, got yeah. their start on directing TV, including Community, so mm-hmm. that's yeah. why. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. 
Then uh, Tony Tony has a very moving tender moment with the only time that Marvel has screwed up and accidentally double cast the same actor. Okay, so oh, there are so many people. But, and Donald Glover is in uh, Homecoming. Donald Glover is in anybody else Isn't, from? Is is someone in? Uh, is someone in uh, Infinity War? Anyone from Community in Infinity War? Possibly. Let, let's Maybe? let's 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 get to the Community piece <laughs> in a minute. No, I, never. I, who? What is the double casting? I know. I know who the actor is. You're talking about. What is the second role? Uh, uh, she's Black Mariah in Luke Cage. Yeah. Oh. She's, okay. Yeah, she's kind of my sister. The only I thought other there time, were several people who'd been double cast. If we're talking about like film aware, versus TV, there might be more overlap there. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, no. As far as I know, it's only tw- twice. One is Black Mariah, um, and the other it, I don't quite count, but it, it is. Um, Clancy Brown has been more than one person, but one of those times he was just voicing a character. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he was so. uh, he was on Daredevil season two, and he was the and voice. The Punisher. And, yeah, and he was the voice also- of uh, the character of Suter in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. But yeah, like you right. get, if you get Clancy Brown, like Clancy Brown could play all the Avengers. And it'd be fine. This is right. Oh my god! <laughs> if you told me Clancy Brown was just playing all the Avengers. I'd be like, yeah, no, that tricks out. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> this well, is, of also, course, uh... Andy Serkis was Claw in uh, Age of Ultron, and then he played Claw in Black Panther, <laughs> entirely ignoring any continuity. <laughs> well, the the uh, double cast actress at, at hand is, of course, uh, Alfre Woodard. Mm-hmm. Uh, best known for Star Trek First Contact. Best known for Star Trek First Contact, in which, in which she... Uh, Tells Jean Luc Picard to blow up the damn ship. Oh, no! It is my favorite Star Trek movie. I will actually say, it's a really good, really good Star Trek. Movie. It's, it's good. It's okay. I, um, I'm not, I'm not as enamored of it as it's the, it's also, the best, it's the best next gen movie. But I don't think that that carries as much weight for me. As she's also, I, she also is probably best known as uh, Grace from Scrooge. Oh yeah, she's oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she's she, great. She's, she's, she's had a, a rich career. Oh yeah, she's, yeah, she's, she's playing a character uh, in this film that appears in one scene and is never seen again. Uh, she is overcast for the character specifically so that they have an actress that can try to generate enough pathos to make this scene stick. Because the crux yeah. of this scene is a mother confronts Tony Stark about the death of her son in collateral damage in uh, Age of Ultron. And for one reason or another, this is the thing that gets under Tony's skin and motivates a pretty radical about face in his uh, motivations and actions. And you need yeah, an I actress wanna... of Alfred Woodard's character I, uh, in this. I so. actually will I say... Described... Go ahead, go ahead, Patrick. I was going to say, joking aside, I, I do think that is something that um, this movie actually does very well, and I think it's something that the Marvel movies have kind of learned to do, is that you when you have... Because, like... Like Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is barely in this movie, but he has one really great bit at the end that I'm sure we'll get to about mm-hmm. being an Air Force yeah. vet. And you're like, oh, right, this is Don yeah, fucking that, that's Cheadle. That's why Don Cheadle's he can in just, this role. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like you, when you have these small parts that are going to be barely in it, but they, you need them to fucking nail that one scene. Like, yeah. that's why you get these, like, you, you shell out for these amazing actors because Alfred Woodard is a very successful, really good actor. And it's like, nope, this scene needs to be, like, nailed to the wall. It needs to be perfect. Otherwise, yeah. yeah, Stefan's right. Otherwise, this entire movie makes absolutely no sense. I mean, yeah, like, uh, imagine if it were just some, you know, no-name actress that, like, didn't have much of an impact, and then ten minutes later, Tony is, like, lecturing everybody else about this kid who died, and you're like, where the fuck did this come from? Mm-hmm. But, like, right. Alfred Woodward makes you go, like, holy shit. She, he killed that kid. Wow! 
Yeah. And like that that's that's the importance I think of and it's something again, it's something Marvel has learned to do is like don't assume that just because it's a character who only shows up in one scene, you shouldn't like ca- like cast someone who can't nail the role to the wall. Oh yeah, dude, you were going anyway, to say something. Did, did oh, you have notes? On I was going to say I, I, I described this scene as uh, backstage. Tony meets a fan whose son guested on one of his greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> yep, same same thing we just said. Nailed yep. it. Um, <laughs> The the, uh, the result of this is uh, we cut to the Avengers compound up in uh, up in upstate New York, and uh, what was that accent? It's oh, like... okay, thank you, Franklin. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little VR. <laughs> oh, I Meanwhile, was thinking of Franklin uh, Booth, Franklin Delano Booth. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in New York. Uh, we cut Never to- do that voice again. You're welcome. Bleep that voice out. <laughs> Ever. We cut to upstate New York to the Avengers compound. Uh, see a little bit of uh, character back and forth between Cap and Scarlet Widow. We see the Vision rocking an Scarlet awesome... Widow, you said? Scar- Scarlet Witch. Uh, we see the Vision rocking an awesome uh, sweater, collared shirt, khaki combo that works really well with his weird android makeup. Yeah, um... Can we just talk about how, like, Vision... I live for Vision's casual style. Yeah, like, it's great. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, I just... I love the way he, like, just shows up. I need, I need Vision to have more to do in these movies, because he just... He shows up, and he's clearly, like, probably the most or one of the most powerful people in the MCU, and they've given him, like... Three moments of character development. I yeah. feel like I, he's I very... Love, Vision, Vision's casual style looks like... He he became he came into being and then he realized I can't just fly around with a cape all the time mm. and so he just downloaded a bunch of style blogs into his brain oh, yeah. and then yeah. that literally dictates entire his entire dress sense. So yeah, no, he's he's very good. He's got a great uh, sweater collared shirt combo going on. It's great. So basically, what happens here is uh, they have a guest. The, they have a guest at the Avengers compound, and it is the improbably returning William Hurt as General, now Secretary of State Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, previously seen in The Incredible Hulk, starring Edward Norton. Yeah, Thoughts? Liv Tyler, as far as we know, still does not exist. Um, continuity, kind of. Cap and friends watch a king uh, declare him to be declare mm. them public enemies on live TV. It's actually uh, yeah. Then their imaginary friend, who's now their butler, tells them Hulk's father-in-law is here to talk to them about his health issues and back taxes they owe. Uh, <laughs> he also says that 117 countries on Earth threw one big party that they weren't invited to, where they decided that. Everyone on Earth was going to get to decide from now on which parties the Avengers were and were not allowed to attend. Uh, that checks out. And the, import- the important thing you called out in there that, that I missed is uh, that King is uh, King T'Chaka of Wakanda, who is uh, expressing concern because in uh, Lagos there were some Wakandan... Uh, people there doing outreach work, and uh, they all died. And so now it is an international incident. All of that collateral damage in all the previous films is now coming back to bite him because William I'm Hurt. I'm pretty sure it was already an international incident. It's just now a, an even more it's heightened compounding on itself. That's fair. That's fair. 
Um, a bunch of Americans came in and blew up a uh, building in Nigeria. That was already uh, an international incident. Scar- uh, the Scarlet Witch isn't an American. The Black Widow isn't an American. She might. Uh, to be Europeans. to be fair, the most visible person is called Captain America. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and runs around and with American flag on his chest. And back. Also, does Sokovia still exist as a nation state? It might not. Yeah. And she probably Sokovia's has more than just a city. Ah, uh, is it? Well, like, I mean, we know Zemo does refer. Zemo does There are people in the state of New York later. outside of New York City. Yeah, yeah, but my my, like I always imagine Pacopia as being like a, a European microstate where it's pretty much. Just Why don't a city. we talk about this when we get to Zemo? Because well, actually, right. he, I think you he mean like the Vatican City. That, that'll be in about uh, two yeah, minutes of film. Liechtenstein or yeah. Andorra or Monaco. That'll be in yeah. about. Two, be about two, we'll, we'll get into Zemo in about two San minutes Marino. of film time, which probably means about thirty minutes of the podcast time. Um, yeah, we're very efficient at this, listeners. So the then, uh, the key important thing here is Ross uh, lays out the Sokovia Accords, and the Sokovia Accords are uh, a UN resolution that basically authorizes uh, authorizes the United Nations to control the Avengers to try to prevent the kinds of things that we've seen in the previous films. Uh, And this is where... Later movies... I'm sorry. I said later movies and shows will interpret the Sokovian Accords to mean whatever the hell the movies and shows require them to mean. It it literally... It shows up in the Netflix shows. It shows up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It shows up all over the place. And the Sokovia Accords literally state whatever the plot of the show or movie in question needs them to state. They are like, they are more MacGuffin-y than the Infinity Stones. They make the Infinity Stones look like well thought through and reasoned. I mean, that document is pretty thick, and I don't think it's just one page yeah. for every country signing it to John <laughs> that's, Hancock. That's a fair point. It's probably, it's much more likely there's a whole bunch of other stuff below it that Ross was just like, here's the stuff that matters to you. You don't need to worry about the extra 80 yeah. other pages. It's, there's also like infrastructure funding. It's like a contract like writer a where it's just like, and whenever Captain America comes to comes to uh, the Congo, he has to bring us ten bags of green M and M's. So we an we, entirely reasonable writer. So this the uh, the Sokovia Accords are uh, the first of many MacGuffins in this film, but they are the the MacGuffin that precipitates uh, different members of the Avengers choosing sides. And the side is simply, are you going to sign this and be under you in control, or are you going to retire? And Captain America is uh, one of those that chooses uh, not to sign on, on principle. Uh, and we, we, over the course of the film, explore why. This is more to... St- establish an initial tension between the characters then is really motivating the underlying conflict between them that goes on i don't want this is this is one of the things i have in my notes something i want to talk more about but yeah there's like there's a sort of a fundamental incoherence to either ideological position being put forward uh by the two sides here mm-hmm. i mean yeah. part of it is that i would argue that the so let's. We're gonna have to bring up the Civil War comic at a certain Can point. We not, I hate that no. comic. No, we it's don't. Not Mark Miller Linux goats. <laughs> I I will really agree. It's not a great comic. Um, I mean, I, it's I so feel bad like... that they never finished it. It just ended. Like it just stopped in the middle. No, no. Civil no. War. They finished. Um, Did they? So, like, and it was hu- yeah. it was hugely successful. Oh, Captain okay. America got shot at the end of it. It was a whole thing. Yeah. I thought that I thought that they never wrote an ending to it. No, maybe, like Civil oh, War okay. Two was happening around this time. Did Civil War Two maybe peter out? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I didn't read Civil War Two. The, the I first Civil War definitely ended. Okay. Um, well, I'm, yeah. yeah. 
So, I, I but stand what, corrected. What we've got here, though, is we we have uh, an excuse to start uh, choosing sides. Well, yes. I, and I just want to bounce off of that because it's sort of like one of the things that I, I the whenever these characters are fighting, they're not actually fighting over their sides. Like they, that's yeah. not really what ever drives them to conflict. It's more just sort of like it, it precipitates them in. It forces them into an, a situation where they're going to actually want to start fighting. Like they, they don't. They're, they don't give enough of a shit about the Sokovia Accords to actually punch each other. Mm-hmm. Like, none of them actually care all that much. But the Sokovia Accords force them into situations where they do have to punch each other because of other things yeah. that are happening. Yeah, yeah no, I, like, and that is a motivating factor I get. I get, I think, I think maybe my issue is, like, how, how fine a point they put on, like, the fundamental, like, we are at odds from, from the jump. Mm-hmm. I feel like if like the like I, one of the things I want to talk about is like because I think I think like the hunt for Bucky could work just as well as like the motivating conflict here. There doesn't necessarily need to be quite this like political divide within the mm-hmm. Avengers. If it was just sort of like even, something as simple as like we're all a little iffy on this, but we're gonna we're gonna see how this pans out. And then Bucky gets introduced, and uh, Cap goes kind of rogue, and everyone else is like mm-hmm. we're gonna. Some of them are like. Where for personal reasons like Sam or just uh, dispositional so reasons, and, but but others are like, oh well, we're going to play by these rules that we've just agreed to the way that. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, Nick, I want to make, make sure I understand what you're saying. Um, uh, so essentially, what you're saying is that you think it would have worked better if, like, you know, Ross had shown up with the, the accords, and they all were like, all right, fine, we'll see how this goes. So they all sign and they all agree to it, and then Cap is suddenly like forced to like. Wait, fuck! This is about Bucky. Fuck these yeah, things. So the- yeah, no, I think like I, again, I think I think you can still frame it in such a way as Cap has fundamental reservations about the Sokovia Accord, and other people at the table do, and you know Tony's more on board than others. But like, it's very clear that this is like a fundamental ideological difference from the moment it's brought up to the point where, again, like. There's a point where Captain America throws shade at the Lend Lease Act. Yeah, like he he like accuses it of yeah, that was a us weird to war. And that was a weird what, beat. What, what is the, what the Mr. hell kind of political Mr. ideology has lied is? Mister has lied about his name seven times when he is clearly unfit to serve to try and go serve. Is pissed off about the Lend Lease Act. Yeah, that yeah, that was that was a really this? weird choice. Like, it, and it puts both it puts both of them. Like, I think you know we're t- like we talked about sort of the weirdness of Tony's position as well. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a way to avoid that. If it were if it were just about like oh fuck. I have to I, I have to be in Bucky's corner, and this puts me in conflict with Tony and Rhodey mm-hmm. and Black Panther's in the mix, and uh, you know Scarlet Witch is sort of trying to figure out like where she needs to be, and Black Widow is trying to figure out where she needs to be, and uh, as things turn bad, I feel like maybe that would work better for me. At least. That would have been this, interesting. This that, gets to this gets to maybe the fundamental narrative tension in the film, which is there there are two not just two sides, but two sets of two sides in the film there yeah. is the set of two sides that is the heroes against the heroes and it's like it's big battle scenes with them running at each other and there there's a mo- a conflict there that is motivated to some degree by the scovia accords and some degree by situational factors. yes and then there is the actual narrative civil war which we see between specifically tony and specifically cap over bucky that is motivated explicitly by zemo 
which is the yes. actual conflict of the film and is buried a layer yeah. deep in the film. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's I, layer I, buried actually works for it. I like that it's buried. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like... But I think also the fact that, like, with the exception of Scarlet Witch, who clearly... Or not Scarlet Witch. Um, Black what Widow. Uh, like, Natasha sort of... Scarlet Widow, Black, Black Witch. Yeah. It's, I think it's the Scarlet Johansson, Scarlet Witch, like, Black... Like, there's... Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah this, this, Widow, I Witch, this Scarlet... In too. Yeah, no, we've had this problem before. Uh, like, with the exception of Natasha, who's kind of playing both sides, and, like, she's on Bucky's mm-hmm. side, but she's also trying to be on the Scorpion side. The fact that pretty much everybody breaks exactly the same way along both of these conflicts. So along the, everyone who is pro the Sokovia Accords is after Bucky and everybody who has reservations about mm-hmm. the Sokovia Accords is pro Bucky. It's a little too neat. I feel like almost. And like, it doesn't need, again, it feels like there's one too many levels uh, there. Yep. So two things, one dude, I see what you're doing, but we're talking about MCU films, not just Marvel films. Ghost Rider Spirit I- of Vengeance is not an MCU film. I can't hear you right now. You're you're on mute. Sorry, I was eating shrimp, so I had myself on mute for several minutes. Yeah, I um, couldn't hear the crunching. <laughs> I mean, we've got uh, we also have Captain I, uh, America, uh, uh, Johnny Fla- uh, Johnny Storm. I uh, I, I know that Spirit Gar- Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance is Marvel Knights and not MCU, but it was actually produced by Marvel. But the first example that I I screen shared was yeah, uh, was valid. MCU. That's that's a fair uh, one. Well, um, I, I wasn't paying attention. It what, was what, what uh, the example? girl that Cap, one of the girls that Cap and Bucky were dating in the first Captain America film, the one that was not Jenna Coleman, uh, yes. is also Peter Quill's mom. Oh, okay, oh. okay, cool. Uh, yeah. And I, who, who, I did not the actor who played his own like grandson? In, uh, uh, yeah, Jim Marita. It was uh, I can't remember the action name. The character was Jim Marita. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and actually, uh, to reference an earlier actor. Uh, I know this is an MCU, but Colm Fjord, uh was in. Uh, he he played the head Corp. of Oscorp in Amazing yeah, Spider-Man and, Two. And it was Alfie. Yeah, in uh, uh, what was yeah. that Thor Two? This is a, once again well, we've brought up Colin Fiore, and every time Colin Fiore comes up, I'm always disappointed that it's not Colin Meany. We're 20 <laughs> minutes into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, we are going to be here for four in the next hours. Scene, yeah, uh, Zemo so, appears. Yeah, European so, so orphan. I, uh, uh, murders a retired immigrant because he fails a history test. Yes. Um, I, I want to move quickly through the next three scenes because three yeah, important good. things happen. The first is that we meet uh, Helmut Zemo, played by yes. Daniel Brühl. Um, yes. Very silly name, Helmut Zemo. Uh, but uh, on watching, this is only the second time I've seen this film, uh, uh, Helmut Zemo is actually one of my favorite MCU villains. Like, I, I am... Oh, easily. I am... I was really impressed by him in this, and I am baffled that he is not more highly regarded. Uh, I think I think this might be like the beginning of the of the period where they start actually starting to figure out how to do villains. Yeah. Well, he's like, he's one of two MCU villains who won. Yep. Um. So, uh, is we, Thanos the other one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good Spoiler. company. Good company. Um. <laughs> So we meet Helmut Zemo. He's a bad man. He kills an immigrant for failing a history test, and he steals that red book that we saw in the first uh, the first yeah. scene. Uh, the second thing that happens is uh, Cap gets news that Peggy Carter has died. Uh, uh, Cap goes and is... The, how did you summarize this? The, their imaginary butler friend lectures the children, and Tony gets up on his high horse 
and lectures everyone else about something that he just learned five minutes ago. <laughs> and then he gets mad because no one else will go along with the thing that he just learned five minutes ago, uh, which I refer to as a Sarah McLaughlin commercial. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then Cap finds, it is out, very... his... <laughs> Cap finds out his ex died, so he runs out to help bury the body, but uh, gets distracted <laughs> staring longingly into her niece's eyes. Uh, before she's even in the ground. Not inaccurate. He gets wistful with a girl he once met at the mall. Also not inaccurate. (laughs) Um, Uh, So, uh, yeah. The Sharon romance just makes no goddamn Yeah, it's really... It's all... But in in the comics, it was a thing that existed and there was an attempt to pay fealty to it. I don't think that the producers of the film really understood the degree to which viewers had already anchored to the Cat Peggy relationship. Or to Cat Bucky! It's at least fair because he only flirts with her really before he... when she's just a random person. It's the first time that he's flirted with anyone who, you know, other than Peggy. Right, when he doesn't doesn't know, it it feels just more like he's trying to flirt with someone across the hall. It's not as, like, abnormal. It's like, Okay, good for him. He's trying to he's trying to get back out into life. You go, Steve. But not anymore. Um, but just imagine what life was like for her, where she grew up hearing her aunt talk about Cap. Yeah, the way oh, that, the way yeah, that Tony weird. heard it. Because like for Tony, Cap is probably his his older brother who his dad loves more. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, the directors have all explicitly said that this is how they, that's how they direct to, to yeah. um, mm. uh, Robert. Well, oh, that's, yeah. that's how I wrote it. That's how I wrote it. It in the comes summary, through basically. really clearly. I mean, yeah. I yeah. think the most the most ridiculous moment for me with the share, the whole shared thing is like so she's she's like being announced to go up and like Captain's kind of distracted because he's staring at the casket and like Sam pokes him and he looks over and he and like uh, Chris Evans like like yeah. Chris <laughs> Evans like, he pops up, up like oh my god a sexy lady drop yeah. it, it, <laughs> like it is like I don't believe you for a moment Chris nope. Evans you are not attracted to this woman you have eyes for Peggy and Bucky and no one else. So we are at this point, uh, I, I would mark uh, the Peggy funeral scene after which Cap uh, gets a hug from Black Widow. I would mark that as the end of Act 1. Act 2 yes. begins immediately in the next scene when we are introduced to T'Challa. Uh, when uh, the girl from the mall goes to the UN oh, for a lecture on African history, but it's cut <laughs> short when some kid sees a dog out the window and interrupts the professor because... He, he, he yells, get down, so I guess he's trying to have a dance party. But dancing is forbidden, and punishment is that his dad blows up. So, some of that was true. <laughs> um, some of it was incoherent. Who is the... Pro- is the professor T'Chaka well, in this? What, where's the dog in this? I don't remember there being the, the dog? The, the professor is the king, because he's speaking to, to everyone about African history. But he's also the dad in this metaphor. And yes. what is the dog... There's a do- he looks out the window and there's a dog barking. Yeah, it's and barking then he turns at the van and yells that's going to explode. All oh, right, the bomb sniffing dog. The dog's it's not a, a metaphor. Dog. Yeah, no, it's but just if you dog. make it sound like the bomb, the dog blew up. Yeah, one no, of them exploding. The dog dogs. is barking. That everyone damn you, Zemo, you monster! He yells, "Get down!" But dancing is forbidden, I assume, yeah. uh, because the sure. result of yelling to dance. I assume this may be a sequel to. It was, uh, Footloose? It was in I the Sokovia Accords. So the I don't Sokovia know. Accords uh, banned dancing. 
Anyway, yeah. it's uh, a sequel to Save the Last Dance. So T'Challa fails to save his father's last dance, um, <laughs> and is now king of Wakanda and uh, has a thirst for vengeance. And that vengeance is immediately directed at Bucky Barnes because of some very convenient security footage. I, I have a question um, because in the next scene we see Black Widow trying to comfort Black Panther yeah. because Black Panther's father has died. But yes. I don't know if Black Widow and Black Panther are related or if they're just like, <laughs> if they just know each other. Wow. But wow. I do know that Black Panther is planning a murder. I am not touching this with somebody else's 500 foot He is planning a murder. Uh, and then, and, and I don't know if he's, I guess he's not an orphan, right? It's just that he's now in the dead dad club. Correct. No, we meet his mother. We're going to meet his mother in a couple movies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's not an orphan. No, he's but not then an we orphan. cut to another orphan. Yes, we who's c- getting room service for him and his friend the bomb. Yes. <laughs> so uh yes, uh Zemo has set up in Vienna, which is where all this shit goes down. And he's got a bomb in his room, uh, but he's, you know, being discreet about it. And we uh yeah, we get some very con- so two things. One that uh Security camera footage was very convenient, but I'll buy it because Zemo was clearly planting the seeds of what was going to happen there. Second, yeah, the it's, whole point was that it was supposed to be convenient. Second, it's also very convenient that it was immediately released to the public, um, which I don't think is standard protocol for uh, assassinations of kings. It, it was wasn't. Leaked. It leak. wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. But the new Sokovia what about dictated Gaddafi? all king assassination footage be immediately released to the public got it so it was added as like a minor writer nobody noticed it until it was too late yeah that, thing. that and the brown m&ms <laughs> um yeah. so now we are we are in the uh the second act of the film which is the hunt for bucky uh part one uh essentially sorry cap uh, Sa- cap and sam <laughs> the hunt for red bucktober yeah uh, uh cut to bucharest cut to bucharest where, where some kind of handyman Wow. Is buying. I'm not giving you that one. And reading a newspaper, but then he has an inkling, so he goes home to find Cap rummaging through his things. So a couple of things I noticed in this scene. So Cap and Sam are going off to try to find Bucky before the UN and Tony and crew can find him because Cap doesn't want uh, Bucky to be killed when the orders are to shoot on sight. Uh, Bucky's apartment has newspapers on the windows, which is classic. And uh, when Cap is searching through things, including Bucky's Lecterm notebook, uh, he finds, uh, I, I noticed on top of that notebook, were two uh, caramel bars. And it killed me that I couldn't read the brand on those caramel bars. <laughs> what the fuck is a caramel bar? It's like a bar that is largely chocolate on the outside, but the core of it's, it's caramel. It's a candy bar that's it's caramel. It's a fucking like a caramel. Bar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um... You know, like a, like a it, don't don't think of it as capital C, Car- capital B, caramel bar. Think okay. of it as lowercase yeah. C. Lower it was, right. was lowercase oh, yeah, K, really. <laughs> caramel. Caramel bar. Uh, so Cap says that the buck stops here. God damn it. And this This was a mistake. This was a horrible no, no, mistake. The handyman and Cap and and the handyman who uh determined that they are in fact old neighbors. Uh, or from the same old neighborhood, uh, (laughs) he gives the cops a hand and a parkour lesson until a black cat crosses his path. Then 
a helicopter like opens fire on them, but then this Falcon like flies into the helicopter into their rear engine. And, and then the cops chase or cap chases the cat into traffic. Uh, and cap and his old handyman friend are in a Mexican standoff with the cat until American dad shows up, uh, to, to tell Steve that playtime is over. Uh, and we find out the cat was a king the whole time. So, oh, and a, <laughs> that was just perfect. as dude finished this, one of his cats rolled <laughs> across his camera. Um, well, yes, well, I'm eating shrimp, and and Evie, my cat, just woke up and uh, came to investigate the shrimp. Wait, wait, wait! Your your cat's named Evie. I thought your cats were named like Watto and Boss Nass. <laughs> um, two two things about this sequence I, I would like to say yeah, is that um. Well, sorry, three things. One is the set. The second unit director on this movie is fen- phenomenal, and I looked into it. It's the same guy who does the fight coordinating, fight fight work for John Wick and uh, Black oh. Panther. Yeah, so I was, tell- I was thinking that the fight sequences are like unusually good. Like, yeah, yeah that's that's why it's got, they've got John Wick's yeah. fight coordinator. MCU, MCU fights are who, like generally pretty boring. Who edited this? Because I I was very impressed with the editing of the fight I'm scenes as well as the sure. cinematography. Um, Two people. The editing is excellent. Is a guy named Jeffrey Ford, whose filmography is uh, a lot of Captain America and Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing um, is that um, this is the first time we're going to see what is going to become one of Sam's go-to tricks, which is fly at a thing really fast and then kick it. Yeah. yeah, it's like, great. I, I feel like great Ant Man have that in common. Yeah, like he, yeah. he does this move a lot. Like where like he'll fly really fast, he'll pull his wings back, and he'll extend mm-hmm. both his feet forward, and he'll kick like a helicopter. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he does yeah. this a lot. I mean, uh, to be fair, it's cool as shit. Yeah. It's oh, it's cool mm-hmm. as hell. I it's totally cool. Like Ant Man does it too. I yeah. also really like the move that he like the combo move that he and Scarlet Witch pulled off uh, in uh, Lagos, where like she like throws a guy up into the air and he uses his wing to like yeah, close lock him out. No, the I, I will yeah. say that fucking murdered Falcon that man. Cool. That man is dead. Falcon is really cool in this movie. Like they found really, really fun really ways to make him really cool. Well, casting Anthony Mackie gets you eighty percent of the way there. That's yeah. true. Um, Anthony Mackie gets you part three. Third thing is. It is still really weird when we watch super-powered characters in these movies run faster than cars. My brain will just never accept it. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I, I had that same reaction of, like, particularly because I can can kind of accept that Black Panther can do this. I can kind of accept that Captain America can do it. I'm kind of surprised that Bucky has that level of super speed. Yeah, Bucky's all, all souped up. Yeah, they have to have Bucky is souped still, up beyond the arm. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, Nick. Like it's it's like he, I know. Is he fucking vibranium suit? Uh, well, he's got or? he's got fake he's got fake cat blood, right? Doesn't he have <laughs> no that's their Black imitation Panther. of super serum? That's Black Panther. Oh, fake cat I, blood. I thought you said fake cat blood, and that threw me off. <laughs> well, no, he has real cat blood. Yeah, yeah. No, he's got fake cat cat blood. The other yeah. Winter Soldiers that we'll get to later, I guess, has real cat yep. blood. It's the super soldier. Who gets super soldier serumed in these in these movies makes absolutely no sense. If you go by Shield logic, like Agents of Shield, there's literally like a super 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 duper soldier serum running yep. around called Centipede half the time. Although that also kills you really fast. So Wait, you is it called Centipede half the time? Half the time. Yeah, the other half the time it's called Marv. 
Um, so we... It's, it's, a, it's a side effect. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. so we, at this point, uh, Rhodey has shown up. Rhodey tells Cap, congratulations, Cap, you're a criminal, because Cap has led the police on a merry chase. Cap, Bucky, Falcon, and the, the cat who is a king... Um, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> the cat would be a great Miyazaki movie. Gato El Rey. Um, the cat who will be king. No one's the future cat. Um, that sounds like a great Miyazaki movie. I'm not actually the, making that up. I would totally watch that Miyazaki movie. They, they are yeah. all arrested, and, we, and we, fi- we find that uh, the cat who would be king is, in fact, T'Challa, and Act 2 ends sharply. <laughs> Um, and then the butler flirts with Wanda. The butler flirts with Wanda because he's making uh, an old Sokovia dish. Sokovia, he's he's making paprikash. That is not that is that is far beyond just being Sokovian. No, no, it's Look, an old Sokovia, Sokovia is one of those um, countries that's all of Eastern Europe rolled into one place. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's how the fact that you'll notice something. Uh, Sokovia, and there are only three Sokovians in the entire MCU run. All three have wildly different accents. Yeah. What is the name of that? <laughs> From different that made parts up, of Sokovia. Go ahead. The made up <laughs> Middle Eastern country in the West Wing that they um, go to war with that is all oh, of the oh. Middle East rolled into one. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Is it Kazakhstan or is that the DC? No, that's a real country. It's a, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, Kazakhstan's a real place. No, there's DC it's, also has like a made up. version is uh, Korak. It's like Q-U-A-R-C. You're right, you're right. Kyrgyzstan is also a real country, Pat. Yeah, Kyrgyzstan is a country, too. I swear and God, it's Tajikistan and Uzbekistan. Well, clearly, I'm not involved in these nonsense. Yes. So, hang on. I'm, I'm, looking I'm not at involved the, the with these Western. nonsense countries, <laughs> says yeah. Patrick. I hate all of you. Yeah. Kumar, I think, is what you're thinking of. Yes, Kumar. That's it. Thank you. Harold and Kumar. I love fictional countries. Southeast They're one of my Vegas. favorite things. But I always love that there's like a, there's like certain places that all of these fictional countries always are. They're like usually either Central European, Middle Eastern, or African. Yeah, I was gonna there say are areas African. where probably people do not have a particularly good sense of geography. Oh, uh, uh, and also, also, let's, re- let's rephrase that. Let's rephrase that, Bester. Where areas where, where the borders have changed a lot. Well, or Americans, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, but uh, I also let's also mention West Wing had a second fake country called Equatorial Kundu. Mm. I had forgotten that. Um, okay, so we're in Act Three. Also, now. their elections are on off years. What? Yeah, <laughs> we we have the uh, the paprikash scene, and then we're back uh, we're back in a bunker in Berlin where Berlin where Falcon and Steve talk about cats for a bit and wonder what jail will be like. Yes. Um. We get... Cap turns out to hate the Lindlisak. Cap hates the Lindlisak. <laughs> Tony tries to convince Cap to sign the Sokovia Accords with pens that FDR used to sign the Lindlisak. Act, and for some reason, that is not—that's just not going to fly with Cap. Cap was a Cap was a Wilkie man. About? Cap voted for Wilkie. <laughs> Cap was a notoriously notoriously felt that we shouldn't get involved in the Second World yeah. War. But once we got involved, he was, he was totally on board. Yeah. He was going to sneak in. No, he was trying to sneak in to there to like to like undermine Sabotage. the military from within. But then accidentally got like uh, mixed a up super in the super serum stuff. He was a real. He was like Edith Keeler if she'd gotten super soldiered instead of hit by that car. <laughs> super soldier, Edith Keeler. <laughs> Edith Keeler will never die. Um, <laughs> 
super soldier on the edge of tomorrow. <laughs> so I um, also we forgot to mention forever, that uh, um, that uh, a, the the two one of the two homes in British uh, a uh, Watson shows up speaking with a better oh, American yeah. accent than Holmes will in about a movie or two. That's true. Why does he have that accent? Why can't he just be British? I don't because he's playing an American character, which becomes important in Black uh, Black Panther. Because Martin Freeman can do any accent, and he's perfect. And no, you no, no, speak no, no, no. Word about Arthur Dent. I was I was talking about Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Oh, we'll okay. cover that in yeah. Doctor Strange. Yeah, Nothing yeah, about are, Doctor you, Strange requires and also he's him not the real Arthur Dent. Fester, I actually one thousand percent agree something. with you, but I feel like we should cover that in his movie. All right. I, when I, we I get there, we will talk about how no, there's no, nothing this, about oh, him. I will happily agree with you on that one. We'll talk about Benny Cumberbatch when the time comes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah we will talk about Cumber Cumberbatch uh, Bandersnatch later. <laughs> I, uh, I, Cumberbatch I'm just going to say this right now. I'll probably say it again on the Doctor Strange podcast. Uh, the I can't remember what the name of the girl is who tweeted this, but uh, she said that Benedict Cumberbatch sounds like a character on Salad Fingers. I don't know what that is. We are not going down that rabbit hole right look, now. Look it up on your own. Salad fingers. It's amazing. Google salad fingers. Anyway, so we are in this bunker. Uh, there's a bunch of talk about the Lynn Lease Act. <laughs> it's really, oh. yeah. Um, what ultimately ends up happening here is Zemo infiltrates the bunker, masquerading as a doctor that is supposed to interrogate Bucky. He uh, sets off that bomb, which turns out to be an EMP blast, which takes out the base's uh, video, mm. and uses the book he stole to set he Bucky... He sets off the Bucky bomb. Yeah, sets off the Bucky bomb to set Bucky loose on a rampage. There is an action scene. Bucky escapes. Steve rescues him, and he... Uh, Steve, Sam, and Bucky escape to a point where they can reckon with, one, who Bucky is, and Bucky reveals that he has his memory back, and two, uh, Bucky can reveal that gasp. There are other Winter Soldiers. Yeah, how, how do Winters, you summarize uh, this? Winters it's pronounced soldier. Winter's Soldier. Yes, Winter's Soldier. I like that. Uh, Steve and Tony talk about Tony's girl troubles. Uh, Steve's sorry that he missed Tony's dad's wedding, and Tony's sorry that his dad always loved Steve more. Yes. They almost break up over a pen. <laughs> <laughs> then, then yeah. Sam. Sam gets a bill for his dry cleaning, and yep. Steve wants to watch TV, but the only show on is a medical drama about a doctor who's also a magician. <laughs> puts the handyman in a box and saws him in half and then makes him disappear. Dude, every, and then end, ruins... every, individual, every individual sentence of your summary sounds like a TV guide excerpt. It's amazing. <laughs> of Arrested Development. I'm, yes. I'm just writing a doctor who is also a magician because I'm fucking selling that to CBS right fucking now. <laughs> a doctor who is also a magician. Dr. Carnot. Disappeared. I'll make a few phone money. calls. Uh, and then the magician ruins a perfectly or good TBS. magic show it might be a TBS, uh, by trying a TBS. to turn it into another history exam. Yeah. Uh, then Cap tries to do some pull-ups off a helicopter, <laughs> but he it. just can't let go. Uh, the orphan magician <laughs> checks his voicemail. Uh, and then the uh, Steve and Sam and the handyman all share a vice, uh, and they talk about old times and jobs they used to have. Yes. Yes. And newspapers. We are at this point uh, about midway through Act 3, and I'll summarize Act th- the rest of Act 3 really quickly. The rest of Act 3 is about getting the teams together. 
So yep. it is moving various Avengers into different places. So we see the return of Hawkeye. We see the return of Ant-Man. We are introduced to Spider-Man. Um, uh, and his incredibly hot Aunt May. Yeah. Tony and Natasha talk to their friend's dad for a while. And Tony visits a young boy he wants to get to know. But <laughs> he has to lie to his aunt before he can before they can hang out in his room and watch videos online. Uh, then... Tony wants to give Peter a makeover and will pay him if he'll let him do it. Uh, and then they talk about homework and stuff before Tony convinces Peter to cut class and skip town with him. Uh, meanwhile, not, not inaccurate. <laughs> meanwhile, another coworker breaks into their house uh, and the butler goes to check the perimeter, but he comes home to interrupt a home invasion uh, but by, but he's too late. Wanda already has Stockholm Syndrome and sends the butler to the basement while she leaves with her kidnapper. Yep. Yes. All accurate. Um, uh, the, only, the only other thing that I want to mention about Act 3 real quick, because we're, we're, getting, we're getting into the meat of it as we go on. Act 3 has a preview of the Marvel film that I want to see more than any other Marvel film. And it's not Spider-Man Homecoming, which is a film we'll get to see. It's not Black Panther, which is a film we get to see. It's, it's, it's the uh, the Tony Aunt May like romantic comedy. Oh, that would yeah, also Tony. be a good one. It's uh, it's actually the uh, Buddy Road he, movie he between Sam and Bucky, which yes, I would buy a ticket to. Talk about one of my favorite things in this movie is that Sam and and Sam and Bucky seem to have an ongoing pissing contest about who's Steve's actual best friend. Is the only oh, way yeah. I can describe yeah. all their like the whole thing with the seat, and then when he look after he kisses Sharon, they're both kind of giving him that like, "You go, buddy." Nod and like just their uh, entire interactions oh for the rest of the movie, and I love this. Really, could be best described as, "I'm Steve's best friend." Yep. No, I'm Steve's best friend. I want that road trip movie. They're they're yeah, trying, they're they're trying to get to Steve's birthday in Washington D.C., but they're both stuck in California, and their flight gets canceled. And the only way they can make it is a cross country road trip. Because <laughs> just the degree to which they dislike each other is, I live for it. I just live oh, yeah. for like. No, can you move your seat up? No. No. No, yeah, they have a gr- they have a great character dynamic, unlike Sharon and uh, Steve, who have fucking no chemistry at all. Yep. And and God, I'm just so mad. I'm just so fucking mad. You are so angry about I this. Hate, I hate them. They're bad. She's bad. Does anyone have anything uh, to say? Jennifer's a lovely actress. Does anyone have anything to say before we get to Act Four, which He's is Bucky's man? Stay away from him. That scene of of uh, of Wanda sending vision into the through the floor like what happens to vision is like bodily horrifying yeah and he doesn't even have a body i mean he, i know he does yeah. but like he's <laughs> but also, i mean he's like many, he's he's what less than a year a old have? how many floors does a compound have also because he gets sent through like 10 or 20 stories i mean it looks like five <laughs> How, how many how many floors does your compound have? I don't know. <laughs> it's got to have then, at least five. I want. I do I actually want to like ask about like what is Wanda's power level? 
Because I think she might be one of the most powerful people in the MCU. She's yeah. very, she's I mean, very the, powerful. The she's particularly are, right? powerful against Vision because she actually can control. She actually has a connection to the Mind Stone, yeah, so she, she can yeah, like yeah, muck with it. But like, like she, the, the shit that she's doing, where she's like pulling out the poisonous gas from a building <laughs> while leaving the oxygen in there. I'm like, she's, the level of manipulation happening there is fucking mind blowing. I think, but she couldn't point. send that dude away from the building before he blew up. I think Kevin well, Foggy she, like, said that she's... Well, she, mid-explosion. She's, like, trying to hold in an explosion while it's she's happening. Very... And sends it up, and she, she just, like, doesn't realize there's a building right there. It's an accident, dudes. Leave her alone! <laughs> she's pretty powerful, but I will say that we're about to, like... We're not too far from meeting, like, Doctor Strange, who's, yeah. like, arguably even more overpowered, and that's not even getting into Thor's god level up that he gets yeah. later on, where he just and turns into... Doctor Strange could not like teleport them with his little teleportals off of that ship back to earth. Nope. Um I well let's also point out that literally all the magic user characters uh their plot powers are whatever the plot fucking requires. Yeah, no, like, that's that fair. is that that is a long-standing Marvel tradition where Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and Scarlet Witch's powers are <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So now yeah, now we she are to get all the gas out of this building. Sure, why not? Everyone meets up in a parking garage with an ex-con. Yep. Who <laughs> want, he's, he's, he's really nervous, but uh, he has this cool suit, so they decide to let him join, for some reason I wrote, the Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sure. Okay. Infinity Apples. Team Bucky. <laughs> no, it's true. It's on the paper. <laughs> so the Apple Can't Dumpling prefer. Gang gears up for battle. <laughs> Because <laughs> like when he introduces himself, it has that, and I've never even seen the Apple Dumpling Gang. Rest no. in peace, Don Knotts. But uh, it just has that feel of like you know he wants to get in the clubhouse, or he finally did. You know, oh yeah, Andy, no, I, that I, man has a stone in his head. Uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah, no, I love I love Scott's reaction, especially like the that's Captain America. I know you too. You're great. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say the, this entire next sequence is basically owned more or less entirely by Scott Lang and Peter Parker. Oh, like they absolutely. just they, they, oh, yeah. they literally both walk in, take the scene, and go, "Well, we're just coming. This is coming with us now." And then they just leave with it. Whatever else gets to be there too. Okay. That that sequence was the only part of the movie where I wasn't also looking at my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a good. That's why you. That's why you made. That's why the movie was made. Like this is. Yeah, yeah. That's clearly. Yes. That's clearly like the to, big to, action set piece. To explain, yeah. listeners, essentially the next sequence is just a giant ass motherfucking throwdown in the airport, where it, awesome things happen. Bucky and Fal- uh, Falcon get to snipe at each other some more. Uh, Tom Holland is adorable, and I want to pinch his little cheeks. Paul Rudd is adorable, and I just want to give him a hug and let him hold me. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and you can tell that this is the real third Avengers film because it actually has the third Avengers shot where we get one in Avengers one. And then there's like mm-hmm. the, the one in the second Avengers. And then here with the two sides facing off e- against each other. Yeah. And that's and probably basically, like, basically, basically we should talk about in a wrap up. Like, why is this not an Avengers movie? Yeah, why, that, that, yes. is, that is the, the big question that I have written down for the wrap yeah. up. But essentially um, after this giant awesome fight, the short version is, uh, Cap and Bucky get away to Siberia where they're following Zemo, and um, uh, every all their other buddies get arrested. And Vision accidentally blasts um, Rhodey, who falls to the earth. And what I will actually say is actually a pretty frightening, it's harrowing uh, oh, thing. It's yeah, like like I have a fear of falling, oh, yeah. and that like yeah. scene really I'm, like when he's yelling "dead stick, dead mm-hmm. stick" scares the crap out of me. I'm and honestly, Tony like, gets 
Yeah, Why is he not Brody dead? gets paralyzed. How is he not um, dead? Well, he is wearing a super suit. I mean, it's probably yeah, got... which is, it's which is increasing his mass. Uh, Nick, Nick, if you're going to go by that logic, Falcon's bones should have been liquefied at least five different times during no, this fight. Like, no, no one's physics makes sense. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, the family heads to the airport, but they have a big fight, or, fight over Tony's new job. Uh, Peter and Steve and Scott all fight over Steve's favorite toy. Uh, and Peter and the handyman argue over which New York borough is better and Wanda gets fired from her valet job for parking all the cars on top of Tony. Uh, Tony and Clint discuss golf, and everyone fights about dead dads, science, and whose costume is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, dads st- really are the true villain of the MCU. I, I have um, three comments about this scene. Uh, number okay. one, the joke about Hawkeye playing golf. Hawkeye's not a super-powered person. He's just apparently the greatest golfer to ever live. Hawkeye should be on the PGA Tour. Like, that should be his requirement. <laughs> he could make yeah. a fortune, and it would not be yeah. cheating. He would just be really no. good. Yeah. 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 So, so that's, yeah. that's number one. Number two, um, the airport scene as a general statement is a standout, um, but the standout moment is... Uh, the giant man reveal, yeah, which may be my favorite. Uh, it's my top five favorite so Marvel great. comics. Movies. Excuse my- me, the standout moment in this is the stair car and the hop ons. That was gonna be, that <laughs> was right. Yeah, the hop ons. Oh, yeah. That the stair car was <laughs> gonna be my third. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna say like, I, have a, I have a couple things I wanted to point out there. For me, like yeah, yeah. Obviously, in terms of like cool action set pieces, like the giant man reveal is great. My favorite moment though with Scott is like right after. Right after, like he gets the shield back from uh, Spidey, and he hands it to Captain America. Here you are. And he says, I, "I believe this is yours, Captain America." <laughs> yes. And like just the, the sense of glee he says, "Well, yes. because he's like just getting to hang out with Captain America is so fun." And do a favor, do an honest to God favor for him. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. Also, also like I think you know, in terms of like who's uh, who's uh, you know. Tony for conscripting this child soldier is like definitely deeply <laughs> fucked up. But also, I was thinking about like the fight that Cap has with Spidey. All he has seen is that this guy's like really flippy, but he is going full power punching this child into airplanes. I was like, thank God Spider Man has like super resilience and stuff. Because you, otherwise, this child Hawkeye, would just be liquefied by Captain Widow? America. I, I remember I had a friend who once was trying to argue that like all of the character every every all these characters must be like super soldiers. Like Black Widow has to have super soldier serum, so does Hawkeye, so does everybody else, because otherwise their bones would be like liquefied by all of this. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, that's just all, the physics of the Marvel all universe. These characters like, you... have bad knees at this point. <laughs> like, yeah. like 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 Phil Coulson alone. I know Phil Coulson did die and come back to life, but like my point is like all of them do it. Even the super people who are supposed to be completely 100% human, like Melinda May and Shield, should not have arms. Just like she should have lost her arms for some of the shit okay. that she does. So, like, this- uh, I mean, I, I, I think in the way that this film actually shows us the consequences of the, the actions of the Avengers, certainly some future Marvel film is going to show us how they're all on opioids. They're all just like, <laughs> yeah. they all well, there was an amazing, uh, amazing run that Dan Slott wrote on the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, that led into the Superior Spider-Man story. But the, the crux of the run, which spanned you know, 50, 60 issues, this story, was uh, 
it began when Dr. Octopus was told he was dying. And the reason he was dying was because he had spent his entire career in fights with superheroes, and he had these amazing mechanical arms. But once you got past the arms, he was just a guy. And so he had just, his body had absorbed a ridiculous amount of damage because every time Spider-Man punched him, it broke something. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. So all of our guys are arrested. Uh, Uh, At this point... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, So Steve spends a long time fighting a little boy uh, until they realize that they're both from the same town. A little boy named Underoos. <laughs> yeah, as far as he knows, that's the that's the superhero alias that he's fighting. And Tony argues with the little man who lives in his head. Uh, but then it turns <laughs> like out that that, the, that Tony's little friend uh, is real, and he gets really big and tries to kick the cat. So the butter the butler looks into his heart, uh, and then Peter reminds everyone how annoying teens are when he tries to explain where. This movie began on planet Hoth because he wanders in like the like a child in the middle of a movie. I actually I do uh, want to say I'm sorry. And Scott I don't mean gets all tripped up and needs a timeout. Uh, and then Rhodey asks the butler for help, but the butler shoots him in the heart too and breaks his back. So Tony shoots Sam in the face. If, okay. Sorry, there was one thing I forgot I wanted to mention in Act 3. I apologize for interrupting, dude. It was, I literally oh, just thought it's, it. It's... Um, is that there, there was one thing, actually, I did appreciate about the... Um, uh, that thought it was interesting in the, the scene where Tony meets Peter is that Peter is essentially giving the mission statement of the movie, you know, where he, he, where he says, you know, if you have the power to do something and you don't, you know, you, you might as well mm-hmm. stop, stop bad things from happening and you mm-hmm. don't, you... You know, and that's a very Spider-Man thing to say. And like, I would actually make an argument that, in a lot of ways, I think Peter kind of saves everyone in a lot of ways. But what I love about that scene, find fascinating, is that I love the delivery. It's a great scene. It's a great idea. It's also clearly that they are desperate, desperately, desperately, desperately <laughs> trying to not have Peter say, mm-hmm. "With me, kids." <laughs> With great, great power, power comes, comes great, great responsibility. He literally says that. With great power comes great benefits. Yeah, I love it. And he, he and literally takes like listened. a minute and a half to say what he could have just said in like twenty seconds if he just said the line we all know he wants to say. So we're, we're, I think that this is also evidence that the the powers that be have been listening to our podcast mm-hmm. because they have heard Nick Bester's constant complaint about. <laughs> The, the rehashing of origin stories, and they actually yeah. have Peter gloss over it the way that a teen might do about his dead father figure. So yeah. the, we, we are... Yeah, no, to... I, think, I think they handle, they handle the, uh, like... I think there's some awkwardness in just like, hey, we're going to go to Queens now, and, yeah. and Marissa Tomei's there. But, like, they definitely handle, like, like you fucking know Spider-Man's origin story. You do not need to know it anymore. I, I Something think happened the fact to him. that Tony Marissa Tomei's there actually resolves any awkwardness that we might be feeling otherwise. Yeah, like, I, I no, also Marissa say, Tomei I, gives me awkward feelings. I yeah. remember, I also remember everyone was complaining about, like, she's too young, and I'm like, she's really not, guys. Like, if you do the math. No, no, she, no she is, she is definitely old enough to be a teenager's aunt. Um, yeah, like, and you're, you're just confused because she's super attractive, and for yeah. some reason, it's, Aunt May has always been in her mid-90s for some so reason. So when we cut yeah. to the scene was, in the apartment. But also, Aunt, we, Aunt May is not, Aunt May is not biologically, like, she's married no. to 
she's married she's, to so, so like yeah, i don't know like we don't know like what uncle ben in this continuity looks like but like even even if uncle ben is much much older it could be you know a Right, so a, a big a December, yeah. great Uncle Ben, or yeah. maybe it's just you know your uncle. Like it's like the guy who lives next door oh, yeah. is like, your uncle, be, or your dad's be old like, friends what, are your uncles. Yeah, she's what like in her like early fifties, probably. Mm-hmm. Then, so. Or that guy down at the carnival who makes you call him uncle is your uncle. So, <laughs> Jesus, Christ. so relatable, dude. I, yeah, I want to I, I want to say a couple of things. Uh, so Marissa Tomei is fifty four. Uh, which means she okay, would have yeah, been like that's... 51 in this film. Yeah, and that's... that's you and know, this is post-wrestler. Poss- yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. possibly a little on the old side to be the aunt of a like, 16-year-old. Uh, you don't... Yeah, anyway. Uh, it's, it's perfectly in the range. It c- makes couple, complete sense. Yeah. C- couple, couple of things here. Uh, number one, I agree with everything that everyone said about the, the glossing over of Spider-Man's origin story because it would be unnecessary. Two, uh, re-emphasizing the Marissa Tomei point, uh, when she showed up on screen... Uh, Cynthia immediately looked at the screen and looked at Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. sitting side by side and said, she is under magic lighting. Um, (laughs) Which is probably true. All right. Uh, Okay, so where are we? Cap and Bucky are heading Uh, to Siberia chasing Zemo. She is always under magic lighting. Uh, God. But the magician has Uh, checked out and he has vanished, leaving his audience paralyzed in awe. And also, Rhodey, too, is paralyzed. And Tony is mad at the butler. We also, this is also where we learn um, Zemo's true identity. He's, he is an ex-Sokovian. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically was in charge of a badass kill squad called Echo Scorpion. Like, they basically imply he's oh, the most good badass name. human being. That guy ever. was all, he's a great name. also in Metal Gear Solid, right? Yeah. Yeah, Echo Scorpion. Scorpion. No, seriously. He sounds like, I'm like, yeah, no, totally. Snake, could be a Metal Echo Gear Scorpion Solid, has the ability to echolocate and sting with his tail. Well, how do I beat him, Colonel? <laughs> um, that was a really good Solid Snake impression. Good job. I, Solid Snake and you Mark a, Hamill Joker are like my two only good impersonations. You, you do a good Dave Hader. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah X, X-Men uh, screenwriter, David Hader. Metal Gear. Avocado. Uh, avocado. <laughs> Say avocado. Avocado. <laughs> Say bazooka cuttlefish. No. <laughs> bazooka cuttlefish um, <laughs> bazooka cuttlefish uh so we <laughs> thank you so we are uh yeah uh the rest of cap's crew is in prison cap and bucky are chasing zemo to siberia because zemo is ostensibly going to wake up the other winter soldiers um t'challa is following tony to uh siberia as well because tony uh, Zemo has revealed at this point who he is. Uh, this is inti- intentional. Yeah, he's he intentionally, intentionally wants like, in a very convoluted way. This is the third time I've seen it, and this is the first time I've fully worked out like why he <clears throat> makes that call to alert the uh, uh, the, the room service, service lady yep. to get, get into the room to reveal that he was dead. It was like, oh, okay, so Tony knows something, which yeah. doesn't seem fully necessary, but okay. Because what what we Wait, need to do here. Are- are you because I feel like the fact that Tony learns that throws the next reveal into like a really uh, into a light that I feel does not make Tony look very good because no. what Tony learns is that he was entirely wrong yes. about everything that made him instigate the previous fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, no, uh, yeah, he goes, he that, that's an important shift. Uh, and he and, tries to convince Ross. Ross is not having it. 
Mm-hmm. And so he just he has to figure out how to deal with this problem on his own because Ross doesn't want to do anything because Thunderbolt Ross is kind of always an asshole. So what? what yes, what, what, especially what, when he's the Red Hulk. Where all of oh. this yeah. spoilers from like eight years ago. <laughs> so uh, Tony, Tony talks to Sam about the OJ trial, and <laughs> what? <laughs> there is a there is a Mark Furman reference. Yeah. There's a Mark Furman. Oh, which right. must be and the Tony... deepest cut. In, I mean, I know that the OJ trial was was <laughs> ubiquitous in its day. Not in 2016. For I That must be out. one of those. Like, who knows who Mark Furman is? Who didn't live through it? Or I say, I, Tony, this is also before. Isn't this before the Tony's uh, look, American Crime Story? Tony's look uh, maybe, with his facial know. hair. I mean, <laughs> Tony's look could be described as uh, Lance Ito who goes to the gym. So, <laughs> God. Um, and uh, Tony has to admit that the handyman didn't kill the cat's dad, or did not uh, induct the cat into the dead dad club. Because uh, a lot of this movie is about being in the dead dad club, mm-hmm. and who I, I is and who is not, again. and who inducts and who does not induct someone into the dead dad club. Uh, I said it so, before. I will say it again. And, dads are the true villain of the Marvel universe, mm, or the true heroes. A quick interjection. Dead I do. Dads. I do think Mark Furman would have sort of been in the cultural kind of conversation <laughs> at this point. Wait, wait, wait. Derek, you have said like three uh, things this entire podcast. You've corrected us on the pronunciation of Lazenby. You have commented on the Spider-Man origin story and now you're bringing up Mark Furman's relevance. Go I on. It. It's true. No, it's right. true because so the first season of American Crime Story premiered in early 2016 and this movie came He's out in seven. like April or May of 2016. So, you know, there were yeah, totally. <laughs> we got to get and, in on that sweet, sweet American crime story money. Get in on Furman Mania. And Cuba Gooding Jr., Cuba, uh, played OJ. Cuba, who also starred in the movie Snow Dogs, which was also made by Disney. <laughs> I thought you were really going to say you're going to have a bigger, bigger reveal there. Yeah, I really not, thought you were going to say it's several great reveals since we started doing this yeah. project, dude. You're that right, not the also, best one. Also, I sat on that whole Hoth setup during that entire uh, uh, Chekhov's Hoth. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's true. You and really I didn't had... say anything. Yes, yeah, no, I really God. had it. You are, a, and that you was are also a new natural. man in the new year. Because I, I actually wrote down Open on Hoth as my first note, and I had forgotten that this is the movie in which <laughs> Spider-Man references that really old movie, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so in the next scene, Steve and his old friend talk about how stuff didn't used to cost as much, and it used to be safe <laughs> to go hitchhiking, and then they celebrate being 100 years old by jumping out of a plane together. Yep, accurate. Uh, they go. They, urban don't ex- they just walk off of it? I think they. Land. Yeah, they walk. They probably, okay. they probably jump like a little bit off of the end of the, okay. uh, the ramp. I, I, I was I looking I do down that. when I was writing the notes, yeah. and when I looked up, yeah. they weren't on the plane. So dude, I assumed dude. that they had a cool superhero. Yeah. We both have superhero blood. Dude, you actually Let's only watched about half of this movie. The other half was spent writing <laughs> these pithy notes. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
I remember having that thought actually. Like when they're like both sort of at the uh, back of the plane, like getting off. It definitely seemed like it was setting up for a jump. And okay. Ma- yeah. ma- maybe they did that in one version. I don't know. Like it's there, possible. there may have been a uh, a cut jump. So we are now anyway, back on Hoth in the Rebel base. And they're going the Rebel... urban spelunking. Yep. Uh, where they surprise the magician after he's killed a bunch of people while they were asleep. Uh, the cat Not watches them from the shadows. And Tony watches some home movies, but uh, he gets mad because it turns out that it was the handyman who inducted him into the dead dad club and never told him. Uh, And then the gang makes up kind of and tries to dig their way out of a hole, but can't agree which direction to dig. So we we get a couple of big reveals here. Uh, Big reveal number one is that Zemo's plan was not to activate these Winter Soldiers. He's killed them all. He has lured... Uh, Cap and Tony to this spot specifically to show a home movie. And that home movie is, uh, again, very conspicuous and well-framed footage of, uh, <laughs> yes. of it's, Bucky. It's the fine movie tradition. Yeah, of Bucky actually being the man who killed Howard Stark and Maria Stark and left. Pretty to- brutally, too. Yeah, it's it's not shied away from. He kills Howard Stark by punching him twice in the face. And um, he chokes maria stark to why does he need to it's, punch him twice he's got a, it's john slattery man he's he's got that extra layer of skull i just i just it's picture like a, it it's like, a kill shot you gotta put two in the back of the head to make sure they're dead you gotta but punch like, twice in the face really like superman okay the hardest part of superman's day has to be whenever he has to shake someone's hand as clark kent because he has to get it exactly right he can't get it too weak because it's not going to be, he's not going like, to be a strong, a powerful handshake. handshake. Yeah. But if he does it even a little bit too strong, he could turn him into dark, like a, a black hole. You know, <laughs> he could just turn someone's hand into antimatter. And but so like Bucky, he's like oh something's wrong with to... your hand. <laughs> Whoops! I accidentally created a black hole. Uh, I I tapped you on the shoulder and sent you into the sun. Uh, but. But Bucky has to punch this guy twice in the face. Like, I, I don't buy it. Okay. I, I, um, I, by the way, this is my own little personal headcanon. But uh, I like to think that the reason Hydra knew that those that the blood sample was in transit and was able to send Bucky to kill them was because um, good old Obadiah Stain for the very first movie uh, actually told them in on that. Because I have yes. always assumed that Obadiah actually had something to do with Howard Stark's death. Do you remember the the reference to Hydra in the original Iron Man? No. I remember you making it up. I don't remember what it was. Uh, when they're on a park, like, in, in the climactic battle with Obadiah, uh, there's a park bench that says, like, uh, hydrogen-powered something or other. And then mm-hmm. when uh, it gets crushed, and the only letters Hydra. that appear are Hydra. And I felt like it was broadcasting it. But uh, they never came back to it. Yeah, but I, I always just assumed that Obadiah Stane had something to do with the death, and I, I, I yeah, like to think that he, I, I, I mean, he's probably I know, Hydra, I mean, right? Yeah, he, he probably. Has, I don't think he was Hydra. I think he was well, opportunistic. I mean, Hydra. Okay, I, I feel like he could be Hydra in this, but he dies before Hydra is revealed. If yeah. if Obadiah Stane were Hydra, then uh, when they remade that film as Ant Man, then Darren Cross would have been <laughs> Hydra as well. But in fact, he's just Hydra adjacent. Yeah. yeah, I just think, Although, I think they have an opportunistic relationship with Hydra where, like, they're like, yeah, sure, fuck it, I'll sell to you. I don't give a crap. I don't think they, like, have any of Hydra's political beliefs. I think so they what just, you're, But what yeah, you're saying is that before Hydra is revealed, no 
major characters who are killed are Hydra. We know for a, well, I don't know about killed, but we know for a fact that there are Hydra agents in operation before Hydra is revealed that were characters mm-hmm. in those early films because we have Gary Shandling. Yeah. Right. I just, I'm just saying that my own personal read on how, on that character is not that he would have ever joined Hydra, but he would just be happy to take advantage of them opportunistically. Yeah, hey, right. If he were Hydra, he probably wouldn't be so power hungry. Yes. So yeah. if let's, yeah. let's, let's although okay, if I if I could just add on to this, like regardless of whether or not Obadiah Stane is Hydra or not, John Slattery is a high level member of Shield. Yeah. Hydra is within side Shield. Yeah, that's my so interpretation. They would know. They would know. So like. This is a shield operation that's going, and they're like intercepting yes, themselves. Of course, Hydra knows it. Yeah. Whatever, I don't really care. <laughs> um, there you so go. So we, um, a couple more things happen. One, we get the big climactic fight scene in which Cap and Bucky take on Tony. Tony is enraged because uh, uh, Bucky killed his parents. We we do have a very affecting moment where. Cap reasons with uh, Tony, and Tony explicitly ignores the reasoning uh, on the basis of just seeking revenge for his mom, which I thought was a very I, a very human moment. I, I, I like really, also. The, go ahead. I said I also like the fact that he he turns to Cap and he says, "Did you know?" Mm-hmm. Because we Cap does know, and we know that Cap knows because we, he's he learned in Winter Soldier, and Cap cannot answer him. Yep. And I just like that moment because up to this point, Cap is like you know the towering moral authority; he's always right. And in this is one instance where Cap was wrong. Yep. Cap was explicitly mm, yeah. wrong. He should not have kept that from Tony. Yeah. And so I I just like this moment because it is a moment of like Cap fucked up. He should have told well, Tony, and I mean, he, and this was not okay for him to do. What exactly is it that Cap knows? Because he says that he does, did not know that it was Bucky. He knows. Yeah, that... he, he's lying. He was lying. He he knows uh, it. He knew it was Bucky. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, it's in Winter Soldier. I also find it interesting that Tony, like Tony, seems the most upset here about the death of his mom, even though. Tony seems much more motivated by daddy issues than mommy issues. Well, I mean, I yeah, but he also doesn't really like his dad. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, it, it, it might be that his relationship with his mother is far less complicated than his relationship. Yeah, it's but also, warm. also as we pointed out, like the way that she is killed is especially brutal. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, like and yeah, also, it's... and also arguably unnecessary. Like he could just have crashed the car and stolen the no. blood. He doesn't need to. No witnesses. He does not need to murder. No witnesses. No, no witnesses. They explicitly tell him no witnesses. No witnesses. Uh, um, she was I, knocked down. She wouldn't have seen anything. Steal her eyes. I felt like <laughs> it's not a how little, that works. It was a little suspicious. <laughs> if or you like take a little... someone's eyes, you don't take away everything they've seen. Do you know that for a fact? <laughs> you can't. I guess stab I don't. Out I guess. I guess I've never tried. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, well, you guys do anything after this? We can uh, experiment. Uh, All right. It it felt a little, it rang a little false to me that Tony would go from learning that he had just caused a major riff in the group because he had believed a lie and not believed Cap that that this guy Zemo had uh, had faked mm-hmm. he, had, he had just faked his identity uh, with footage of. A murder, uh, and Tony had been fooled by this, and then he immediately sees the same scenario again about his own family, and does not question whether it's authentic or not. No, I mean, that, I don't again but, believe but that he does. Might... He does have Cap there to immediately confirm. Well, that's that's yeah, true. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. Cap confirms it, and like 
I don't know about you, but if I literally watch video footage of my mother being choked to death, I'm not going to be at my most yeah. reasonable. Yeah, yeah I just thought that he might be a little more suspicious of this because it's basically exactly the same thing that he would feel very stupid about having fallen for. So, I, I see what you're saying, but the problem is that Cap literally does immediately confirm yeah, that, that no, it's true. That's, that's, that's valid. I haven't thought about that before. Yeah. But, so uh, we, we have a couple of things that happen here. We are almost through this movie, and then we can talk about some additional things uh, <laughs> after the God movie. Damn it. A um, couple of things happen here. Uh, one, we have the big we fight. At the end of it, Cap uh, immobilizes Tony. And, uh, hey, the firearm's going off. Yes. Uh, Cap immobilizes Tony, uh, leaves with Bucky, but leaves his shield behind. Um, hmm. uh, it's we, his dad's shield. It's, it's Tony's dad's shield, yeah. yeah. Um, we also see uh, the end of Zemo's plan, where Zemo having... Uh, successfully executed his plan, which was to tear the Avengers apart, uh, prepares to commit suicide, and is stopped from committing suicide by T'Challa, who, by witnessing Zemo's plight, has learned that vengeance will consume him if he allows it to. Yes, and and in an act that could only be in a, a magic act, he catches a bullet! Whoa, <laughs> it's like the prestige. I, I will say, or it's Watchmen. Funny. What's funny about or this... Or Penn and Teller. Yeah. What's funny about this scene is that um, <laughs> wait before you before you go on, uh, a shot by shot remake of the Prestige, but both Christian Bale parts uh, are one is played by Penn and one is played by Teller. <laughs> uh, it's where so they make the switch know. that's the real trick. <laughs> um, well, or you thing- put yourself through the Prestige machine. Spoiler alert! And he you turn into either Penn or Teller. <laughs> yeah, that's the Prestige. <laughs> One of the things I like about this, well, not necessarily like that I find that I find interesting about this is that if you watch, we might talk about this more when we get to the Black Panther movie, but T'Challa does not have as of a huge arc, personal arc in in the Black Panther movie. Um, he has something of an arc, but what's he's partially it's because he he his big arc is in this movie. Like yeah. he's he yeah. he's like he he has a he's kind of one of the emotional cores of this movie, and yeah. I think that's kind of why he does not. He does not have like his big emotional changing arc in in Black Panthers because he literally just came off of okay maybe I shouldn't go crazy bloody vengeance over my I, father's murder. I would dispute I, your characterization of his arc in Black Panther, but not in this film. But that I, I would have to look into that several. Yeah, episodes from I, now. I haven't seen Black Panther recently, so obviously we think, when we get to it, I'll rewatch it and rethink. Go ahead. Do I, well, think, I think I think your point oh. at least that it's a it's a more subtle uh, arc yeah. than we might expect. I'm sorry, I was trying. Dude, and then Derek. Um. I I really liked his reaction. Hillary and I both commented on his, his reaction when he actually uh, proves himself to be a reasonable as well as fully emotionally mature human uh, and does not fly off the handle about things. But w- we also realized that he is he's one of the only characters in the MCU who is like fully raised right. Like yes. he has, he has a whole family history, and he's got a solid like background and foundation for yep. all of his emotional growth. And he and he's got Cap a little sister, are, he's got everything. Yeah, like he and Cap are the are the two characters who you feel like you can rely or who prove themselves to like have an emotional core that isn't like misguided somehow. But they're also two of the only men that you see cry, uh, yeah. which. I, I well, he's was, a boy. There, there I, is there is a, a very 
it, it's implicitly drawn in this film, and it's implicitly drawn in Infinity War as well. Um, but th- there is a lot of parallelism that happens between Cap and T'Challa in both mm-hmm. films. Um, they they are portrayed uh, as similarly noble, similarly grounded in a personal philosophy. Uh, there, there is. Uh, 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 we can talk about this when we get to Infinity War. Never mind. Um, I, I will also point out, though, this is the start of the fact that they no one ever calls um, Spider-Man Peter. He's always Pete, and that's mm. because they were looking ahead and realizing, oh shit, Star Lord's called Peter. We need mm. to fix this right now. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be it's going to be like a mess. The, uh, the it's like uh, uh, Black Widow's uh, hair color. Yep. They Holy they phase shit. it into blonde by the time Scarlet Witch comes into the. Otherwise, there's gonna be too many redheads, and it's just gonna yeah. be a nightmare. You can only have oh. one full redhead in a film at yeah. a time. I think, well, uh, I, think, Black I think it's more that like, look, these films are expensive, and you got to make cuts where you can, and the wig <laughs> budget. Was just getting out of control. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the they R should've... budget. I thought you were talking about the name Peter. Peter would take oh. too long to say, so they had to cut down. <laughs> they, yeah. they no homers. Not... We can have one. <laughs> On their road trip to make it to Knoxville, where they were going to visit the Wig Sphere. That's where I was born. In the Wig, In the wig Sphere? <laughs> In Knoxville, you dumbos. Oh. Is the Wig Sphere real? But, but great, great job, I mean, everyone, for going real. the same direction with that reaction. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we're almost at the end. So Tony is like there. helping Rhodey. Tony's helping Rhodey learn to walk again, like that uh, song from the end of Thor's Thor One's credits. And then uh, Stan Lee shows up and calls him Tony Stank, and it's funny. But Don Cheadle also has a really great bit about being an Air Force pilot and how he does not blame anybody because he just knows that this is part of the risk and he's done it every time, and nothing has changed. And you're like, oh, right, this is why Don Cheadle is playing that part, because he nails that part. Yeah. And Terrence then... Howard couldn't have pulled off that scene. <laughs> no, um... he could not have. No, he could not have. I know. Have. Terrence Howard would have mumbled something and then <laughs> drifted off halfway through his lines. I remember, like, during that part where, like, during the dead stick thing going, like, I cannot imagine Terrence Howard doing this. Yeah. It wouldn't work. Really, I'm, I'm not really. You can't imagine it I'm because not, I feel like it's fairly easy to imagine. I'm not saying Terrence Howard is a bad actor. Terrence Howard's a very good actor. Don Cheadle is much better cast as Jim Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. yeah, Ta- no, Don fair. Cheadle is Jim is a much better match for Jim Rhodes, and I, I think that's a bear, fair way to put it. Um, anyway, so Catherine America has a voiceover. Did you say Catherine America? Catherine America, Catherine yeah. America Jones. Catherine America has a voiceover. <laughs> And at the end, he breaks he breaks the other Avengers who are arrested out of jail um, and says, hey, Tony, here's an emergency phone to call me in the next Avengers movie. Not just any phone. It's a flip phone. <laughs> yes. That's how you know it's untraceable. Um, yeah, and know. then we That's go how you to... know he's old. That's how you know that the battery life will be great in three years when he needs to then use we it. Then we have our two credit sequences. Um I have literally forgotten what the middle credit sequence Bucky was, so someone please help. Bucky is in Wakanda. He chooses oh, to right, go back to That's, that's when Steve and Bucky go to Africa so Bucky can take a cat nap. And we see this. Yes. In, great. And we see this enormous uh, statue of a Black Panther, which uh, at some point between this film and Black Panther, they tear down. Wakanda decides yeah, to Oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> that was embarrassing. Did you see Captain America came up with starting our Black Panther statue? And he could tell just on his face. He was wondering, yeah. isn't this a little ostentatious? And he was right. It's ostentatious. What are we doing? <laughs> 
Uh, we're just trying that out. Um, then at the very final sequence, uh, Spider-Man is adorable. I, I would just describe that if, that final oh, yeah. scene. I was I was going to say that the, I was going to say that the final sequence is Marissa Tomei comes back. Oh yeah, Mr. Tomei comes back, and Always she actually good. pinches Peter's cheeks, which is what I wanted anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wanted to want pinch Marissa Peter's Tomei. cheeks, or you wanted Marissa Tomei to pinch your cheeks, or you wanted to pinch her cheeks? All of the the girl I'm dating listens to this, so I'm just going to go ahead and say I want to pinch Peter's cheeks because that seems like the less likely thing. That's, to get that's the one she's got no problem with. <laughs> she's yeah, she's going to be like, oh, don't you dare talk about uh, Marissa Tomei. Talk about that high school kid. Dave, talk about that 16 year old boy who that's really sweetie. loves spiders. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I want to pinch Aaron, the cheeks of a uh, cute little 16 year old. Yep, <laughs> who loves older men. Marissa Tomei. Uh, so let's see. What, I, I just I'll read the last half page I have here of uh, of uh, summary. Uh, so the cat and the magician talk about being in Dead Dad Club for a bit, uh, and how each of them got into Dead Dad Club uh, when they met the Apple Dumpling Gang. Uh, Tony and Steve have another fight because Tony is jealous that the handyman uh, is really Steve's best friend, and Tony uh, wants to be Steve's best friend also. Uh, Everyone Cap- wants to be Steve's best friend. Oh, and Tony at one point tests his own tech against his dad's tech, uh, and, and they have kind uses. of a yeah. Well, they have kind <laughs> of a it's kind of a draw there at first, but then Cap later proves that Tony will never be as good as his daddy uh, when he smashes Tony's face with his dad's tech. Uh, then uh, he he. I, I really wanted, like, after after Steve drops the shield, to just have T'Challa uh, look at the shield and then kind of, like, raise his finger. Like, <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> uh, that vibranium. Uh, and then Martin Freeman uh, locks up an unarmed, non-superpowered orphan, then threatens him for a bit. Uh, and then the orphan uh, causes uh, him to pause to reflect. Then Rhodey falls down, and Tony's real father shows up and oh. gives him a new name and a letter. <laughs> See what you did there. And a letter. See what you did there. From his brother Steve with uh, a tin can on a string. Uh, then I see what you did there. <laughs> then Steve and Bucky go to Africa so Bucky can take a cat nap, and then. Uh, Peter is in his room trying to look at the new toy that his older friend gave him, but his aunt comes in and interrupts him uh, before she leaves him alone to uh, play with his new toy in secret. All right. We did why it, is Zemo the that. magician in your... What'd you say? Why is Zemo the magician? I forget why oh, that happened. Because it because he's a hypnotist. Like, when you first see him, he's a, or the second scene he's in, uh, he's introduced as this doctor, but then it turns out that he's a hypnotist, and he turns Bucky. He like takes Bucky and okay. transforms him into a new person. I thought it okay. was just because he made but, Bucky disappear. Well, he specifically has Bucky in a box, and then he kind of cuts him in half, and then he makes Bucky disappear. There's a lot and, of okay. layers here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, does anybody have anything they want to talk about? Anyone have anything to say about this movie? <laughs> We've been talking I want to talk hours. about the casualty numbers. 
This is a thing that I noted. So, like, during uh, Secretary Ross's... Real real, real uh, quick, real quick. For the sake of expediency and also because uh, we all have to work tomorrow and all of that, let's let's treat the comments that each of us has as our final thoughts. Sure, sure. This is fine. So, uh, no, I just want to, like, all right. So, during uh, Secretary Ross's presentation, we see footage from previous movies. So, we've got New York City, where 74 people died. We have D.C., where 23 people died. We have Sokovia, where 177 people died, and we have Lagos, where 26 people died. And in my estimation, the Lagos number is the only one that makes a goddamn bit of sense. Lagos, like, okay, you blow up a corner of a building. Yes, 26 people. You lift a goddamn city-state into the air and drop it down again, 177 people. Fucking aliens invade New York City, 74, and fucking... Three different uh, uh, helicarriers crash into Washington, D.C., and only 23 people die. What are you talking about, so Marvel a, a movies? You're lucky no one was killed. A <laughs> <laughs> couple yeah. of things. Number one, um, in Captain America Winter Soldier, yes, all that stuff crashes in D.C., but, at, like, no one lives in D.C. So <laughs> That's, that's true. true. It's and just also, I believe that, also, I think the number does specify civilian casualties, okay. so, like, uh, probably. Still still don't count for New York. It's not like uh, the heart of Manhattan is really just a lot of government employees. And Sokovia. Fucking Sokovia. Less than 200 people die when the country is dropped to the earth. What are you talking about? They got everyone out? How is that? The question question is, how did no one get killed who was just outside the city limits when the country or when the city fell they back did. to earth? They, they did. I mean, they, that's, that's how Zemo's family yeah. died. Yeah, I know. I'm 177, saying 177 people 177 died people, in right? Sokovia. Yeah. Only 177 seems very small for that yeah. number. But also, but also, it leaves out a couple. Like South Africa, like I forget which South African city oh, yeah. it is that gets like fucked oh, yeah. up in Ultron as well. Some a lot of people had to die there, and I'm sure you know. Shit going down well, in Harlem and national waters in Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. We're counting the Incredible Hulk casualties, and then that small town that Thor destroyed. Um, yeah, or the talk- fucking like galactic the convergence and the Netflix uh, shows. No, we're not. Yeah. Count- Marvel's not counting. Nothing, nothing from the Netflix shows counts. Um, I, I mean, as we've established, Netflix seems to be barely counting those things anymore. Yeah, they seem yeah. to be. Dying a very yeah. sad death. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that was just something that I, I noted while I was watching, and like mm-hmm. none of those numbers make a goddamn. Are you saying that those like casualty those. numbers were produced a little too casually? Yes, yes. Uh, but also, I think like I I think like you know if you gave actual realistic numbers for how many people died. And people notice that like ten thousand people died in New York City. It might be harder to just like morally justify what's going on. It's true. Uh, <laughs> Loki was responsible for ten thousand deaths in New York City. Yeah, so, I mean, I've... Fun, fun fact: they've now stated that Loki was at least semi under the control of the mind. I gym. don't like that. Um, I don't. No, I'm I don't not the biggest it. fan either. We, it's, it's, we... it's, we can have it's a clearly, long conversation uh, about Loki and Infinity War. We can yeah, we we'll get to that. In, and in Thor Ragnarok. Nuge and I have had a yeah. lot of debates about Loki and Infinity War. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're definitely the rest trying of it, to soften is, up is the, Loki. Is that, yeah. that, like, when we get to that, is that going to be like the everyone mute their microphones and just sit back and listen while you two... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we might uh, not even maybe. show up, we call, honestly. We call I'm, that, I'll make some pop. Yeah. 
We call that the Derek. Long. You just put like cardboard cutouts <laughs> of yourselves up and sneak away, yeah. and they're, like, they're just going to be going at it for three hours. It's you like that scene in there. the Princess Bride where where the internet thinks that that Mandy Patinkin was replaced with a cardboard cutout of Mandy Patinkin. What? So, look it up. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah, that's better anyway. So, in terms of my final thoughts, um, those numbers make no goddamn sense. Sharon makes no goddamn sense. Uh, this movie is way too long, but Did like... Did you just say that sharing makes no sense? Sharon. Sharon, dude. Sharon Carter. <laughs> uh, I, I hate, I hate that couple. Uh, I think it's terrible. I remember, uh, like, a couple years ago, there was some sort of, like, BuzzFeed quiz about Marvel, and there was one question of, like, which was the hottest kiss, and that fucking kiss was on the list, and I'm still mad about it. I'm still furious about that, because that kiss <laughs> is the most boring-ass kiss in the world what are you talking about Buzz well me? when you say that it's on the list do you mean like it's like they gave they gave options for the kisses and the kisses were thor and jane also boring as shit tony and pepper eh. uh them and what was the other one i can't remember who the other kiss was mm. it wasn't anything interesting it wasn't even like peter and gamora it's not one that you can remember. remember yeah no no it was it was four boring ass kisses uh, nothing was interesting, but I was most offended by Sharon, uh, Sharon Steve, because nobody should be shipping Sharon Steve. That's madness. Um, so yeah, this is the Except third time i seen... I feel like it's very realistic for Sharon okay, yes. to be doing yes. that. Sharon should be... When, when you, I think it was, the idea that, like, she would have been, like, hearing the legends of yeah. Steve growing up. I want to hear more about that. flirt with him before she told him that she was I want to. I want to know more about that. that. Like, if we got things from Sharon's perspective where, like, she'd be like, holy shit, Steve, it's Steve, it's yeah. Steve. Like, he was the knight in shining armor that she was told stories of growing up, and he turns out to be real. And, yes. her, and it's her, jo- her job to protect him from assassins. I'm like, holy shit, that's an amazing story, and none of that's in the movie. And Steve's um, like, yeah, I really want to hit that blonde Peggy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyway, the first time I saw this movie, I found it really disappointing. I thought it was too long. I got, like, frustrated just being in the theater that long. And also just, like, in terms of, like, I had expectations that this was going to be, like, the Winter Soldier again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very really frustrating. This is, I think, the third time I've seen this movie. And... I, I like it a lot more than that first time. I think mm. I think it's still way too long, but I think it's you know in a in a format where I can like pause it and like do other things and like take it in chunks. I think it's much more reasonable. But good God, I was just exhausted being in the theater, going like, "Why is this still happening?" Those are my final thoughts. Fuck Sharon. Derek, we're gonna but hear not your in final, that way. We're gonna hear your final. But not in that next, way. How dare you? It's Bucky Steve forever. We're going to hear, Derek, your final thoughts, because you have been the Adam Pranica of this podcast. You've been (laughs) sitting back in the cut. I have never seen Derek this quiet. You know, first of all, this movie, seconding Nick, this movie is way too long. It's too long. Way, 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 way way too long. Um, I don't know. I I found myself, you know, when I saw this in the theaters, I, you know, I thought it was fine. The second time I, uh, you know, this is the second time I've seen the film, I was just bored. I really was. I just, I was just kind of distracted. And uh, I think, you know, in, in sort of thinking about it and hearing you guys discuss it, I think part of it for me is that um, in some ways this, this film was as good as it could have been given mm-hmm. its length and the number of characters in it. And the amount of but, 
<laughs> yes. And but I mean, kind of as a result of, you know, all of these kind of structural things that they have to get in the movie. I think I was reading somewhere that at one point there was there was even talk of like having, you know, the wasp in, in the in the movie. And it's like, why? Like, why do we need all these characters? And we're and, gonna bring back Natalie Portman. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I think that the, the script, you know, in a purely functional sense, it does a good job ensuring that things flow together as well as they could be expected to flow together uh, in this film. But you do get kind of little moments that um, where you kind of can see the seams a little bit. So an, an example of this is, you know, we were talking about T'Challa's arc in this film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of the, you know, the start of that arc, the sort of, you know, uh, inciting incident uh, of that um, in the, you know, assassination or, you know, incidental assassination of his father. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this moment beforehand where they just, where T'Challa and T'Chaka just kind of share a moment. And I even remember in the theaters this this absolutely screamed. Oh, T'Chaka is about you to like point like, at the screen. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like uh, it's it, it was you know it, it wasn't that you know this moment was sort of like unmotivated, like completely unmotivated, but it was like okay, there is way too much like emotional resonance between these two characters who we have just met <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, um, and I think to the to the sort of credit of the franchise, they kind of rectify that uh, a good bit in Black Panther, but it's just, it's kind of a a result of the, like, you know, the ringing out of this screenplay of like every single ounce of, you know, like fat for lack of a better term. I mean, it's, it's, it's like an intricate kind of, you know, puzzle piece, but not, but not in, but in a purely functional way, like not, not in a way that I find terribly, like interesting or, or, or satisfying. So that, I don't know. Like, I think it's very, it's very like workmanlike. Yeah. Um, if that, if that makes sense. And and yeah. for that reason, I just found myself kind of, you know, drifting away. Like, I, I think the performances are great. Yeah. Um, two, two, two other quick points. Uh, so the, the reason I made such a big deal about Legos is they pronounce the name of the city incorrectly throughout the entire film. Like uh, nobody, uh, nobody did reason. They, they call it Lagos. That's not how you, that's, it's not an alternate pronunciation. The name <laughs> of the city is Lagos. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I just, I found that a, a little bit annoying. And then finally, when, whenever people referred to helmet Zemo, I couldn't help but think of like the nineties, like malt beverage. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, before we go on to the next one, I just have a question based on uh, something that Derek said. He described um, King Tachaka's death as an incidental assassination. Do you not think that that was? I'm just now thinking about it, like because like Zemo, Zemo's the sort of like machin- has machinations that seems to have worked. He's anticipated every like move and planned this out. So was T'Challa not part of his plan? Was there a was there a point where T'Challa, T'Challa could was. have could have like screwed things up? Like if he had captured Bucky, would that have fucked everything up? I I can talk about this when we when we get to my part because I have some thoughts about well, Zemo. Well, how, how about this? Um, We're in your part now. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Segway. Um. 
So uh, I have I I, I kind of want to split this into two thoughts. One is about Zemo, and one is about the movie as a whole. Um, I really like Zemo in this movie. I I'm with Stefan where I think he may be one of my favorite um, Marvel bad guys that we've seen. And and because like the thing to think I was I think a lot about like supervillain plots and how like on some level all supervillain plots don't make sense right like they always kind of fall apart especially the the Lex Luthers or the Jokers who are like overly plotting and I think the reason I really like Zemo's plot in this is that I don't think Zemo actually gives that much of a shit if he fails if that makes sense like that's that's why he can brazen wet his way through this plan which. Is very has a lot of great machinations. There's a lot of great soldier engineering, but it also requires on luck and I, a lot of luck. And I think if you asked Zemo, he would be he would be upfront and say, "Yeah, I also got lucky." But the thing is, like, he's he's literally going to shoot himself when this is all over. If he like dies, he doesn't care. Hmm. And I think so. For example, like, and I think that kind of gives him some a weird sort of flexibility. Like, you know, it, when he to, to answer your question, Nick. I don't think he. I don't think he like planned the bomb, so the bomb would definitely kill T'Chaka. I just think he wanted a bomb to go off near the UN during the Sokovian Accords, mm-hmm. and the fact that T'Chaka got caught in the, in the blast meant that like now he had to think for Black Panther. But I don't think he really had to do all that much. Um, yeah, no, and I so just... it was sort of like a, it's sort of like he was willing to roll with the punches because, like I said, he just doesn't give a shit if he dies in the in all of this. Like if 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 he gets shot by Bucky. Okay, well, he was going to shoot himself anyway. And I think that kind of gives him... That's part of where the terror of him comes from, is that he just doesn't care. Um, like, there's, the, there's a great bit, the very beginning, when he's interrogating the Hydra agent. And this entire thing was just because he wants that mission report. Like, that's literally his end game here, is he needs that mission report. And he actively says, look, I'm going to get that mission report. But all... It, but if you if you don't tell me it, I'm gonna have to kill a lot of people. That's just how it's gonna be. I don't want to do it, but I'm okay doing it. All you'll die be dying for is your pride. And like that moment makes me terrified of Zemo. Like I'm like, holy crap, this man is literally capable of doing almost anything to get what he wants. Because as to quote Zemo, I have experience and <laughs> with experience and patience, a man can do anything. And I have both. And I think that's one of the reasons I think Zemo really helps tie this movie together is that I do believe his plot not necessarily because he's clearly a super genius but because he is he is very intelligent and he just does not care if he loses mm. and when you don't care if you lose you can get away with a lot of shit like he he, he has a his, his his plan literally is just like yeah no I'm probably good you're probably gonna catch me at the end of this I'm fully aware I just don't care and I think that's kind of what makes him so scary yeah um so, so about Zim- sorry do you think that he figured out that Bucky had killed Tony's parents and then was looking for proof of that so that he could break the Avengers? Or do you think that he was just researching everything he could about the Avengers and coming upon that is what gave him the idea for how to break the Definitely Avengers? Definitely the latter. Like, I think yeah. his objective was, I need to break the Avengers. And that was the wedge that he found. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, yeah. there's no reason he would have inside knowledge. Yeah, but, I, no, mean, I, I was think... just thinking that he might have figured it out from his under, from his knowledge from of... From watching these films. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. brutally obvious at the start of the film what was <laughs> happening. Yeah. yeah. No, but, um, but that's... 
That's interesting because uh, Zemo Zemo in the comics is a Hydra, like a high level Hydra person, right? Mm. Yeah, isn't he? He's a yeah, he's sort a of. He's it's kind of awkward, like Hydra's Hydra adjacent. So in the Barrett, okay, yeah, he's Rudskull and and adjacent, and Wolfgang von Strucker, uh, and I will never Hydra. not say it that way. Uh, leads Hydra. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I mean, but I, th- I think the point I was uh, I was thinking it was like. Because because it's a reveal that he is Sokovian later, I certainly remember assuming that he was Hydra mm, from that. Yeah. And I well, think I and probably anybody who's familiar with the character probably would assume at least if not Hydra actively, at least some sort of Hydra connection. And so you don't ask the question, how does he know that Bucky killed well, uh, he, he, his mom? He min- you would just think, oh, this is Hydra knowledge that he has. He min- Hydra. Well, he mentioned that Black Widow dumped a lot of Hydra's files on the internet mm. and that they were all oh, encrypted. Yeah, but like he's he's ex-Sokovian intelligence yeah, and he has yeah. literally nothing to do with his time but seek out vengeance. So he can find, I'm sure given enough time, he can find what he he's needs. He's doing the slow work of reading the WikiLeaks dumps. Yeah, yeah essentially. Um, so that's just my thought about Zemo. Also, Daniel Bruhl is amazing. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> and he's so good in this. And God, Daniel Bruhl needs more work because he is he is so damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, Your thought about the film? I, my thoughts about the film as a whole. It is a very long movie. I, I don't think we can... It is literally the longest MCU movie up to this point. The only thing that's going to beat it is going to be Endgame um, coming yeah. out. And... It, it, it is very long. Like, it, it is good. Like, I will, I, again, I want to give Marcus and McFeely and the Russo brothers and um, Second Anime, all the everyone else involved, credit because they have a lot they have to do. Like, they have a lot they have to do. And, and one thing I know, Stefan, you wanted to bring up was sort of like, is this a Captain America movie or is this an Avengers movie? Mm. And, like, the argument for being a Captain America movie is that Cap is the engine of, is very much the engine of this. Like, most Avengers movies, the external threat, such as Loki or Thanos, is the engine. But in this one, the engine is much more Cap and his relationship with Bucky and his relationship with Sam and his relationship with Tony. Um, and so that's the argument for it being a Cap movie. The argument for being an Avengers movie is that this is much more, as much more has the, the feeling of a big event movie. Um, like, you know, there are a lot of characters. There's a lot of ground that has to be covered. And it's just, it's a lot. And... I, I completely get, like, it, it's sort of like how I felt when I watched Infinity War, and we'll talk about that more when we get to Infinity War, where I like Infinity War. I think Infinity War has, I think the writing and directing of Infinity War is is quite good, but it's also like, it, it doesn't matter how good you are. When you have to do this much, mm-hmm. you you lose a certain amount of nuance. Like, yeah. it, it's just it's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, I don't care how good a director, how good a writer how good an actor you are. Like, they just, we gotta move, we gotta move, we gotta move, we gotta move. I think it's a credit to everyone involved that they're able to dig with the nuance of it that they can, given how little, that they've just been like, you know, we gotta go, <laughs> we gotta go, guys. This is a great bit that you're giving me right now, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, but we gotta introduce Paul Rudd and his amazing... on the other side of the galaxy. Exactly, yes. like, we gotta move. Um, and, and I just think that, like, that's just what these big movies are. Like, I, 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 it's, Avengers had, I think, what was it, six, seven main characters, and, but I think, like, we're starting to maybe, I'm starting to maybe wonder if, like, Avengers is sort of, like, the last time you can kind of have that. Like, that was actually the character limit, and once mm-hmm. you burst past that, because we've seen this with Infinity War and um, uh, Age of Ultron, although Age of Ultron also has its own issues, like once you get over that certain character limit, you just 
you got to move. And I think there's like a, there's a reason people joke sometimes that the MCU is the world's most expensive television series, mm. uh, because the amount of the amount of like stuff in Infinite in in just in Winter Soldier, uh, no, sorry, Winter Soldier, um, Civil War alone, that's like a three part se- season finale. That just right there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I like I do like this movie. I think it is it is an incredible. From my perspective, it is actually a pretty impressive feat that it, they pulled it off as well as they did. Because even if it is too long and has a little bit too much, there are a lot of wor- way, way worse versions of this movie that oh, yeah. I thank God we did not have to watch. Daniel Watson Jones, your final thought? Or do you just uh, want to read your summary again? No, I've got, <laughs> I've got a few things that, uh, that have occurred to me. Uh, I love the scene where uh, Black Widow ends up in the armored car and she throws the the one guy on the grenade and then she uses the other guy as a shield so that the grenade blows her out of the car through the door. But she is definitely suffering from soft tissue damage after having a grenade go off. Also, completely deaf. Completely deaf now. Yes, and 100%. Because she, like like Clint and like, uh, like Scott Lang, does not have a super body. I mean, Natasha she has a super kind body, of, but you know what I mean. Well, oh. no, no. I mean, she, it's a little vague. Black Widow in the comics does, but in the movies, oh, okay. she doesn't seem to. Well, yeah, I mean, she's well, just like a, a, a... I think of her as like Ozymandias, you know? She's just like the extent of what a human could do had they trained from... That's my read equivalent of birth or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's see, just a, a few more things. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I... I pretty much agree with Derek uh, in terms of the, I, this was, I think the third time I watched it. And the second time I really felt bored by a lot of it and really frustrated at Tony because I Mm. felt like a lot of his character behavior didn't feel, uh, his motivation did not feel entirely real to me. This time I liked it much more. And I'm curious uh, when I'm done to hear if there was anyone to see like which side of the split we were all on, because I felt like I was obviously on Captain America's side that I felt like it was, he was the protagonist. Uh, And although I, I, I kind of feel like Robert Downey Jr. Carried the film that his performance was much more the, the driving, uh, I don't. Maybe it was just because I had that thought while he was on screen as I was watching it. But uh, I, I felt like Cap was definitely the moral center. Although uh, Tom Holland and uh, Paul Rudd were the stars of the film because they were the ones that I really enjoy watching every time I watch the film, uh, and T'Challa to a certain to a certain degree uh, because I, I I just felt like he he had more of a. Uh, uh, gravitas or something um and there was one more thought that i had earlier but i can't remember what it was so go on uh i will i will wrap up with my final thought um i did not care for this movie when i saw it in theaters um for mm-hmm. a lot of the reasons that have been discussed i'm not sure i really like it now i think there are more things about it that i liked on the second mm. watch, um, I I really appreciated the work that Daniel Brühl was doing, and I appreciated the uh, the way the Zemo character was structured. Um, 
it it was throughout it felt like a film that said all right we begin with the avengers at point a and by the time we have the third avengers film we need them to be at point b so let's move them um it felt functional Mm. in that way that was actually my last thought was that was a conversation hillary and i had that it felt like it was a lot of plot where it's just like we need them to be at this place at the end of the film for infinity war so the the big question that has that was on my mind going into it is is this a captain america film or is this an avengers film yes and having watched it for the second time um i'm still not sure which i think is a problem um my inclination is to say that it is a captain america film Okay. And the the case against that, actually, I think, is with the way Cap is shown in the film. Like, Cap is ostensibly the engine driving the film, but I think, as, as we've discussed, Cap does not do a lot in this film. Like, he moves a lot, but he doesn't do a lot. Um, yeah, he's very he, reactive. He's very reactive. He decides early on that he's going to make his stand with Bucky. And then the rest of the film is him making that same decision over and over and over again. And that's fine. Um, but we don't get a sense of what's really kind of the, the thing that's making him tick. And I realize that part of the way that Captain America is set up as a character in these films is that he lacks a degree of um, inner conflict that characterizes a lot of the other uh, characters in the MCU. Um, and so that relative simplicity of motivation uh, is is understandable and acceptable. I felt like that was conveyed much more effectively in Winter Soldier because of the nature of the conflict that was put upon him. If Cap is standing against the conflict that is in Winter Soldier, which is, which is explicitly about deception and explicitly about faith in institutions and explicitly about the nature of being a soldier, then the posture that he takes and the decisions that he makes are much, much stronger. In this film, the themes of the film that are coming through are not so directly linked to the stance that Cap has to take and the nature of his character as to make that stand that he takes particularly interesting in and of itself. Because of that, my initial reaction would be to say it is more of an Avengers film. But the reason I come down on it being a Captain America film ultimately is because of the Zemo character. And it gets to um, what I think distinguishes this film as a Marvel film as a general statement. Um, and that is that the threat that Zemo poses is small. Uh, Zemo is not a big threat. Um, Zemo himself has no world ending plan or ambition. He has no great amount of resources. He is a small man doing a small thing that Mm. sticks, not because it is world shaking on a, uh, truly grand level, but because it is character shaking at a smaller level. Um, And he does so by being a third reflection of Captain America. Every villain in each Captain America film reflects a different aspect of Captain America's personality. uh, Red Skull reflects him as a super soldier and the subject of the experimentation. Bucky reflects him very explicitly as a man out of time, in addition to being his friend. Um, And Zemo reflects him as another type of soldier who lost everything, and someone that um, went a direction that Cap did not go. Um, Cap wakes up in New York and has lost everything at the end of 
Captain America, the first Avenger, and finds a grounding in himself to stand firm. Zemo loses everything, again, as a soldier, and it destroys him. Um, Go ahead. uh, That Zemo also reflects um, the the sort of successful version of what Iron Man is trying to be, where he successfully kills all of the other Winter Soldiers, which is the other half of Zemo's plan that succeeds. Mm-hmm. And he's he's the man, or he, he is a version of Cap who is who would be willing to kill Bucky instead of trying to rehabilitate Bucky. That's true. So mm. I, I think the fact that the villain is directly in opposition to Steve, the fact that the villain represents a smaller personal threat than a grand universal threat. Zemo in and of himself is not a threat that the Avengers would come together to face as the Avengers no. are defined mm. and their scope is defined. That makes it a Captain America film to me. And there is a, there is a very interesting smaller scale story to tell in there that gets told in bits and pieces throughout this film, but there's so much else in it um, that it it distracts from it and makes me not particularly enjoy it. Like, I'll probably watch it again at some point. It's fine. The airport scene is really great, um, and there are a lot of really good individual performances, but uh, it's my least favorite of the three Captain America films um, by a pretty wide margin. I think I would agree with that too. Like, yeah. I, I, I feels like I like this more than uh, the rest of us do. But mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. I have a question for you though. though. Like, with your sort of analysis of it, by that logic, is Age of Ultron an Iron Man movie? <laughs> because Bless I mean, you. Ultron, Ultron is ultimately certainly <laughs> a more sort of global global threat. Mm-hmm. But I think in a lot of ways, like That's you know, a Tony he, film. He, it's a Tony driven. He's, it's, it's very Tony driven, both in terms of like why Wanda and I yeah. forget. I I can't even remember P- Peter, Peter. Pietro, Pietro, something like that. Yeah. Um, Pietro. Um, so many Peters. They're very they're very focused on. Don't uh, worry, they'll Peter out. on Tony. But also, but also, <laughs> Ultron is clearly clearly very much a uh, you know. A dark version of Tony in the same way that Obadiah Stane is a dark version of Tony and Whiplash and um, well, I, I forget Sam Rockwell's character are also yeah, dark versions of. I, well, I think there's there's a, there's a part of that 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 is true at a thematic level. I think one thing that Civil War does do better than Age of Ultron is it does maintain at least a sense of narrative focus and momentum. Age of Ultron is all over the place, um, and so thematically maybe it is supposed it is you could make the argument that it's an iron man film it's not a focused enough film to be much of an anything film i will also point out that the villain of the first avengers movie is loki who is literally the most explicitly connected (laughs) to any of the avengers so it's a thor film but it does not feel like a thor movie yeah but also i would like i was thinking about it and like i would say i would also say captain america is probably the main character of the first avengers movie if i i feel like i feel like it's I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but like to the extent that like certainly Tony is the main character of, uh, of Avengers: Age of Ultron. I feel like I feel yeah. like uh, Cap Cap was sort of the the focal point uh, most of all in uh, the first Avengers. I, I think that his character Avengers. at least is the, the first most Avengers. interesting because it, it was following right on the first on the Cap film, and it was when Cap became the interesting character as the Man Out of Time. So. Yeah. There's something I, now, now I'm, I'm, but it, it's interesting because actually Loki, I don't think anyone would describe Loki as like the, the dark reflection of Thor because they're so different 
as characters. They are not mm. dark reflections, but Thor. I mean, we'll we'll get to more in Ragnarok uh, to dark reflections, but yeah. you know, Th- I mean, Thor and Loki are brothers. They have a very strong connection to each yeah, other. Yeah, but they don't they don't feel like the opposites of each other in any but way. I, but I mean, there's I mean the whole like you know humanity you're made to bow sort of uh, sort of thing. I feel like you know they're both gods who come to Earth and they both have very different philosophies like in terms of their re- their relationship to humanity. I'm gonna say I think that might be. I think that might be some way that, like, it, at least at least in terms of that, uh, might be one way you could make that argument there. I'm going to say to the degree that the Avengers has a protagonist, I'm actually going to say that it is Iron Man uh, and not Captain America. I think it's close, but I think that the thing that decides okay. it for me is at the end of the film, Iron Man is the one who is actually ready to lay down his life and okay. throw it away. And that that is a movement in character that he was not prepared yeah. to do at the beginning of the film. Well, and I think I think uh, Dude made the comment that uh, he felt like uh, Tony, in some ways, uh, becomes the main character of this one at some points. And I was thinking that in terms of like that last scene, he's the one who we spend the epilogue with. The entire arc of the MCU, to a degree, is the gradual accumulation oh. of weight on Tony Stark's shoulders um, yes. mm-hmm. as he makes I... worse and worse decisions. I just want to clarify that it wasn't so much that I was talking about Tony, the character. I was talking about Robert Downey Jr.'s performance oh, as, okay. as being like the really strong, like, and it's not to, not to disparage Chris Evans' performance at all, but like the, there were times where I felt like Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, expression of Tony Stark's moral crisis was the thing that was driving the film more than Chris Evans, like yeah. trying to portray the defense but the- of the other the, the last but Chris film, Evans' biceps drove most of yeah, the Yeah, and, and I, I do, I do want to, like... Only because Chris Hemsworth is not in the film. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah to, to cap my final thought... Um, but um bum where, where I... Hey, where I finally come down on it for being a Captain America film ac- actually is in the last shot. Nice. Okay. It, it's the last shot of the film, where you see, of the film proper before the credits, where... Uh, Cap has broken into the raft. He's rescuing the rest of the team. And you have this shot of him in voiceover where he steps out of the shadows. And Chris Evans in that moment does very subtle but very important acting for grounding the film. There is a, a step forward and a very soft smile that he gives that projects a degree of decency and groundedness. Mm-hmm. That is inherent in that character, that almost improbably recenters the film. At the yeah. end. I such I is just, the power of Chris Evans' smile. This is, this is going back. Like, I just d- during our sort of debate on this, I had I had a thought that I had I had intended to be a joke of would would this be more of an Avengers movie if Thor and Hulk were in it? Mm. But then I also started to wonder if if it if it. Like on a contractual level, would it have had to have been an Avenger? Like, are they not in the oh. movie because th- their because contract it's not states an because because yeah. like it states that like you know Mark Ruffalo's contract says I will be in all Hulk movies and all Avengers, Avengers movies. movies and Hemsworth has a similar clause. I'm curious about that. I and I, all I, movies I, with Jeff Goldblum in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if all well, movies, just, if all movies that contain like, everyone's the contracts, dude. If all movies that contain the uh, core point, original Avengers, Avengers are like contractually true. obligated to be Avengers, although that, again, that I'm, I'm, inter- I'm interested in a version of it this film where the inciting incident of the Sokovia Accords is the Hulk going on a rampage and then Thunderbolt Ross, the Secretary of State, driving that. There's there's a version of that. Yeah. I mean, this, I will say, if like from a um, from a plot standpoint, 
I get why Hulk is not like if Hulk was in this movie, I'm pretty sure that like everyone would agree the moment they started fighting with each other, they're like, okay, so I disagree. I have to fight you. What if we? What if we both? Well, we both agree that we're going to tranquilize Bruce, and he's going to wake up in like Fiji and with no television, and he's just going to sit this yeah. one out, right? And they're like, yeah, no, totally, yeah. we're totally on board. Let's well, I mean, let's get him I... out of here. And Thor, thing about Thor is that like if Thor was in this movie, he would look at the Sokovian Accords and go, "You do realize I am an alien prince from there's another no, world, yeah, yeah, and that no your you in is utterly <laughs> yeah. meaningless to me." No, I was thinking about that too, but like also like I think Hulk. Hulk, in some ways, entirely undercuts the cap side of the ar- the political argument. If Hulk is in the equation, obviously there needs to be safeguards in place because he's the fucking Hulk. <laughs> I, Dude asked this, this question Hulk. earlier. <laughs> yeah, the, the Dude, Hulk Dude asked, me this, Dude asked this question earlier about who do I think is right. And, like, my answer on this is usually, honestly, I kind of think they're both kind of right and they're both yeah. kind of wrong. Like, I, I yeah, do that's think... Not my... Yeah, I, I think like I, I think that Cap is a little off base for the exact reasons in the sense that like, yeah, you do kind of need to see have someone in charge. I do kind of see Cap's point of like asking the UN Security Council to call to a vote on any time there's an emergency situation does not seem like here's here's the, the problem though. Thing. Here's the real problem. I didn't care. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Again, and this goes back to my question of: Do we even need this political conflict? Like, again, I think, I think the oh fuck, is Bucky trying to assassinate the UN? Is enough of a conflict? Yeah. What happens if you could... cut twenty minutes out of that first act? What happens if you cut the first act? Yeah, I think if it was just sort of like everyone's roughly on board with the Sokovia Accords, and then quote unquote Bucky attacks the UN. And that throws everything into chaos. I think that could work as well as like the weird like I'm gonna I'm Frank going to Grillo suddenly bit. feel like I need government oversight. I'm going to suddenly think that the government can't be trusted. Because again, we also never... the... no, I, like also... I, I don't even think you need that. I, and now that I'm thinking about like you, you genuinely could cut the first act of the movie if the movie starts. Where, remind me where the first act. The ends. first act. Uh, I mark the first act as ending uh, with Peggy's death, and then it begins at the UN. If yeah. the inciting incident of this movie was King T'Chaka is killed and Bucky is thought responsible, that's all the motivation you need. Yeah, like you probably want a little bit of like uh, Ross explaining five to ten the Sokovia Accord. I don't think you need the Sokovia Accord. They don't need to be in the film. Oh, okay, interesting. Oh, yeah, that no, is, at that point, it's, it's, it's entirely a it conflict. It certainly makes about, it more of a Captain America yeah, film. It's entirely it's a conflict about him dealing point, with. Yeah, at that point, it is with, entirely yeah, a conflict yeah. about. Um, yeah. Cap's friend has ostensibly done something terrible, and Cap is the only one who believes he didn't. Yeah, how far? And at that okay. point, his it, Bucky is the only one left who was alive. Yeah, yeah, and you like know, you don't need and you don't need uh, Legos because. You can you can come up with like King T'Chaka is giving a speech at the UN because mm-hmm. the whole vibranium situation with Ultron. Yeah. Wakanda's trying to uh, you know yeah. make amends. And at, then make the film is oh, thirty minutes to... shorter. <laughs> and and yes, 
No, all right. Although well, I think you were wrong. About, I think Patrick was long wrong about this being the longest MCU film because I'm pretty sure that Thor: The Dark World was longer than this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm still watching Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> in some world, we all are. God, but in some in world, world we all want to be still watching Thor: The it Dark is, World. Thor: The Dark World is actually one of the shortest ones. It, it actually is, yeah. yeah I remember looking is it up. like 100 minutes? I, it's, not, it's under it's, two hours. It's 62 it's hour minutes 50, long. It's an hour and 52 minutes, which compared the to all the other movies is actually very short. Yeah, That is such an yeah. unpleasant movie. Uh, really? I, I missed that one. I, as I recall, I actually missed that one. So all the time you guys... um. Talk about how oh, much well, you hate I, that movie. I I'm like, strongly I encourage you to go watch it as soon as we're done here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is, no, Thor: The Dark World is shorter than the first Iron Man movie. Is shorter than the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, no, I remember. Because um, I remember at some point, like looking it up, because I think I was trying to make a point about one of the movies we were going to be talking about. Yeah. And I was under the impression that most of these movies were running like two and a half hours. Most of them were about the length of this mm-hmm. movie, and I was shocked to discover that outside of like the Avengers movies. They're pretty much all about two hours long. They're like hmm. within yeah, yeah, twenty yeah. minutes to get give or take ten minutes. They're all like an hour, an hour Thor, and fifty the Dark minutes World to two is hours. Shorter than 20. the first Thor movie. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very it is because they is cut the out shortest, cut out all the fat. <laughs> yeah, just nothing, <laughs> nothing but really... George Washington hair. God. Yeah. yeah, no, I th- I'm, I'm looking all at four. all of them. I'm pretty sure it is the shortest. Uh, I think it is. I think I remember it yeah, being the shortest. Yeah, I, I believe you. Uh, yeah, so it's like one of those. Do it, it? It works on. Uh, it, it it takes place in another realm where time operates differently. So it's like a no, yeah, Einstein a relativity one. thing. Uh, putting your hand on Einstein the hot stove, Rosenbridge. as it were. Yeah, no, it is the shortest MCU movie. Well, like uh, like Rico Weinstein. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh there like, is like all of our go ahead uh i was just gonna say have do we does anyone remember if i have given my infinity war theory on the podcast before no, uh, no but, but it's almost nine it o'clock into, yeah, and I, the, the I only reason i bring it up is because i don't know if we're gonna do another podcast before endgame comes out and i would prefer to have it on record before endgame has come how out how long is it how long is it gonna take i could, I could do it in two minutes okay do it Fast, uh, please. I'm exhausted. So, uh, I gotta be up. The the single drop of blood that they drew out of, that they got out of Thanos. Uh, yes. that that is relevant. Uh, we know that yeah. because Doctor Strange confirms that they succeeded in in uh, you know this was the only way yeah. they succeeded in getting the one in fourteen million or whatever mm-hmm. uh, shot. Uh, and Iron or Tony's new suit is made out of nanotechnology, yes. and he's the one who hits Thanos. Yes. I think when he hits Thanos. And gets into his bloodstream. He injects some of his suit into the bloodstream. Uh, and during the course of the next film, it will be operating on a very small level because it's not much suit. Thanos isn't going to know it's there. At some point, it's going to that uh, injection is going to be relevant to reacquiring or to acquiring the Infinity Gauntlet from Thanos, so that the actors whose contracts are up can sacrifice themselves in using the Infinity Gauntlet to remake the universe when which will uh when it you know when everyone comes back from the dead that's when the fox properties will enter the universe uh and uh that's my theory don't know if i agree with part one but i agree with the fox properties entering the universe which is 
I don't I just, think so I, because the the the, <laughs> the sale actually isn't just is actually isn't finalizing until like two weeks from now. Oh, well, that's um, funny. It's and, not for post credit sequence. Yeah, but it had to be like a post credit sequence. Otherwise, like there's like there's just it's, no it's realistic as, look, way. Get Ryan Reynolds in his Deadpool suit and throw him at the end of the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I uh, like just, do it for like a ham sandwich. Too. I don't think anybody's dead. <laughs> I think they're all in the soul soul gem, and I don't think that requires changing the universe. Like well, I don't think I don't think you need to uh, get the Fox universe in there to solve the soul gem problem. But speaking, so of, then how speaking, are they going to do that? Speaking of the Fox, but, I mean, universe. what what you were talking about in terms of getting the uh, Infinity Gauntlet, I think that makes sense. But I don't think I, I think the idea of fundamentally rewriting the universe is all right. But if they do, we're tabling this discussion. could be together in heaven. We're tabling this discussion until a later episode. Fuck you, it's Bucky. Bucky and Steve. uh, We've mentioned the Fox universe. For the next film we're watching, we're going back to it. What is it? I don't remember what we're watching. Uh, Uh, X-Men Apocalypse? Yeah, how do you feel about long films? How do you feel about long long X-Men films? About two and a half hours long. Is it uh, really? I'm, I'm, oh, I've seen not seen it. I remembered that one being like 90 minutes. <laughs> there might be 90 minutes. It worth felt of like plot. a long cartoon episode. I, I can I confess I've not seen this film. I haven't I've either. Seen it either. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, I I've not seen it. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of the few. Well, uh, no, I'm pretty spotty on uh, non MCU movies. Spotty so actually, I'm not. Sh- yeah, like I haven't seen this. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Logan. Uh, Deadpool two. Oh, Deadpool two is great. Yeah, yeah, just you know, watch, watch Hunt for the Wilder People first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's important. So anyway, let's sign off because I wait, 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 wait. Nick Bester hasn't seen Hunt for the Wilder People. I've not seen Hunt for the Wilder People. We should fix that. After I go to bed. Should. Okay, <laughs> we'll, right. we'll do we it. We're going to sign off now, but next time right. it will be. So, uh... so next episode, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes. Oh, one more <laughs> thing. One more thing. One more thing. Um, we do need to have a conversation at some point. About... Are you talking about Kevin? <laughs> yes, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> um, My co <laughs> we, we need to have a conversation some point soon about our Howard the Duck book club. Oh, oh yes. 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 So stay yes, tuned, stay tuned, listeners, uh, because coming up in the not too distant future, we'll introduce you to Howard the Book. If you if you want to join in on our book club, then order the novelization of Howard the Duck. <laughs> Howard Which dude Duck, Duck, Duck. somehow managed to find a copy for all of us. By for. Ellis like, I think, Wiener. I think <laughs> I need to make this very clear. Listeners, literally what happened is Dooge asked for all of our addresses, and then one day, magically, a copy of Howard the Duck novelization just appeared. It's sitting on my bookshelf right now. <laughs> yep, now I, I don't know exactly where it is, but yeah, it should be somewhere in my <laughs> Oh, hang on, since we're all showing up for copies, one second. I'm, I'm not going to go find it. It's It's... For next year's really holiday or this year's holiday episode. We yeah, year, okay, so like the same way that I would approach reading Ulysses, I'm giving myself <laughs> a year to read this novelization of Howard the <laughs> yes. Duck. By, yeah. by Bloom's this relatively Day. Small, by this relatively Day. short uh, yeah. novelization. This book it, is just, 232 just pages long. So if you read a page a day, you would be well ahead of our Christmas pace. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then there we go. All right. All right, right. guys, we've been talking for three hours.